Welcome to another edition of the Ultimate Weigh-In Show. I'm your host, Manpreet, a.k.a. MMA Lock of the Night. Andrew Boy on Twitter at MMALOTN. This week, we got a big UFC 264 card headed our way. The trilogy fight between Conor McGregor and Dustin Poirier. Let's see who get their hand raised for the second time between these two guys. I'm really excited for the fight, not to mention the co-main event between Wonderboy Thompson and Gilbert Derino Burns. Great fights sprinkled out throughout the card, and I have... Great guests joining me as always, but this time we got a banger of a lineup for you guys to, you know, match the banger of a card that we got coming up this weekend. So you guys know the draw. I'm going to bring these guys in one by one, and we will slowly start to break down these cards for you guys. First and foremost, I got to bring in my guy, Nick Kalikas. Nick, what's going on, my brother? Not much, man. Appreciate you having us on here. Looking forward to this. Absolutely. Shout out to Nick Kalikas that really brought this cast together for me. And I, I, I'm forever indebted to him. I will always thank him no matter what, no matter how much he gets annoyed with me. I'm going to, I'm going to continuously <laughs> rag on this guy to be like, Hey, th thanks for helping me out for UFC 264. But Any you guys know Nick Kalikas, obviously from MMA Oddsbreaker, UFC on the line on the fight pass uh, as well. And another guest that we have is another person on UFC on the line. We got my guy, Yanni the Greek, first ever appearance on my stream, on my shows. Yanni, what's going on, buddy? Never better, bro. Thanks for having me. I love being on. And, uh, you know, I'm a fan. I'm a fan of all you guys. And especially you putting out that MMA content. I love soaking it up because from all of you, I'm the least qualified as far as mixed martial arts go. I'm a trader. You know, I just, for me, it's a market. So I love being on, especially having a world-class fighter and odds maker. And you running this show, don't get better than that. And for a card like this, perfect timing. Perfect timing, brother. Yeah, my, my viewers are no, more so used to seeing other guys that are normally on YouTube and watching these other predictor shows, but I'm so happy to have so many different minds here. You know, we have the, the odds maker, we have the, the numbers guy, and we have a fighter as well I'm going to be introducing in a second here. So I'm very happy to have this cast put together. So uh, without further ado, it took me a long time to forgive this guy for choking out my guy, Sam Stout in Winnipeg back, down, back in 2013. But after cashing a couple of tickets over Claudio Silva and Warley Alves, I finally forgave him. James Krause, what's going on, my brother? <laughs> what's up, man? Uh, sorry about that, first of all. Uh, <laughs> welcome on the on the other ticket, second of all. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm stoked to be here, man. This is uh, it's, it's an awesome lineup. I actually, it's it's cool. There's, there's there's two people that I text just about every weekend to ask for their picks, and there there are two other guys on this show. So it's it's pretty cool to have these guys. Uh, it's pretty cool to have these guys on. You got to get James's football picks on here. <laughs> okay. You really got to do. You're, you're no. good on the gridiron. You don't, yeah, you don't no. know. You don't know. You don't know. Shit. Well, no. well James, you I can add me to that rotation MMA in case you need thing. some uh, you know, help with some MMA picks as well, too. I got you, brother. All right. Let's uh, let's start this thing oh, off. Man. I don't want to uh, waste too much more time here. So the first and foremost, uh, we got uh, Yazong Hu going up against Alan Amadovsky. Uh, both guys have been out of the cage for a, an extended period of time. Two years for Amadovsky, three years for Yazong. Yazong actually took a 10-month USADA suspension, but is obviously making his comeback now and probably fighting at the weight class that he should be at right he's, he came into the ufc at heavyweight then he went down to light heavyweight and the guys were still a little bit too strong and big for him now he's fighting at Madovsky at 185 and uh he looked decent on the scales today it looked very sucked out but still looked all there um I, I'm I'm thinking that people that are investing in this fight are more so just banking on the potential of both guys here with uh, like Yazong, he made his UFC debut, he was only 23 years old, now he's 26, getting work over there at Tiger Muay Thai as well as the UFC Shanghai PI as well, so I'm excited to see what kind of improvements that he's made, uh, and now he's coming again against Amadovsky, who seems to be more of a, a headhunter, wants to take your head off, throw your head into the third row if you want to call it that, uh, has a decent 
uh, game off of his back from the regional scene, but we didn't really see much of it when he went up against Christoph Jotko a couple uh, uh, years back. Now I'm excited to see what he brings to the table here against Yuzong. I'm actually going to be going with the potential side of things. The younger guy, 26-year-old Yuzong, who I think he's going to be able to put a bit of pace on Alan uh, Amadovsky, take him down, grind him out, and win a decision. Most people think this fight's going to end inside the distance, but I think that we'll see a, a disciplined approach here from Yuzong, especially the first time at his proper weight class. Uh, so my pick is going to be Yuzong Hu here. Nick, I'll actually throw it on over to you now. How do you feel about this matchup, especially with both of them coming off of such extended layoffs? Yeah, and they're both really flawed as well. So for me, it's hard to trust this fight as far as a betting perspective. I mean, both these guys, you could see the danger aspect. You know, they both like to swing. They both have some skill for sure. But, I mean, defensively, they, they're just too much to question for me. So for I'm staying far away from it. I understand why the money came in on the underdog. Um, everybody, it seems like Hugh is the popular bet. A lot of people are, are, are believing in what you're saying as well. I think the upside is better for Hugh. I mean, he's, you know, had that hiatus or whatnot too. He's dropped a couple weight classes and I think he has more upside at this point, but Amadovsky is going to be coming into this fight swinging as well. So I'm going to be a little hesitant, honestly. So I'm not very confident either way in this fight. I'm, I'm leaning a little bit more towards Amadovsky because of his competition level, but I wouldn't be surprised if Hugh gets it done. Amadoski has been spending time over there at Extreme Couture, so it's going to be interesting to see how that has helped round out his game. Yanni, uh, how do you see this fight going down? There isn't much numerical statistics and stuff to really go over with these guys concerning the lack of time they've truly had inside the cage, but what can you pry from this matchup and ultimately what side do you lean? Both of you set it up perfectly for me. It's all that uncertainty that makes this fight pretty simple to bet. One guy came out as a minus 170 or so favored. To break even, he's got to win that fight close to 65% of the time. So to bet him, I got to say he wins over 70% of the time. With all that uncertainty, there's no way we could come to that conclusion together. Both these guys are on a two-year layoff. Both these guys have zero UFC wins. And one of them has never even fought at middleweight. He fought at heavyweight and light heavyweight. So there's no data to even back him up in that weight class. So it's pretty obvious that it was going to be a dog or leave it alone situation. I wasn't uh, surprised to see sharp money coming in on the dog. And I think win or lose, that's the only position you could take on, on a fight like this. Uh, unless you know something or someone like James who could look at the X's and O's and it may be quantified that one fighter has such an advantage over the other that it's worth laying the chalk. Otherwise, uh, that uncertainty makes it an easy fight to either bet or leave alone. Yeah, James, I, I respect all the fighters 100%, but I I got to imagine that if you were in the corner of Alan Amadovsky in his last fight against John Phillips going in there and just fighting the fight that he wants, 14 seconds, trades leather with the only way that John Phillips could possibly win that fight, and then he ends up getting knocked out. You got to be pulling out your hair yeah. as a coach to see your fighter go in there and, and just play right into your opponent's game plan. Uh, do, do, how much do you know about these fighters, and ultimately, which side do you, do you end up uh, leaning on? <clears throat> Uh, full disclaimer: I don't know a ton about these guys, and it's and it's very that's that's actually really rare. I mean, I, I I'm a student of the game as well, so it's pretty rare that I don't know a ton about either guy. Uh, but I, I mean, I know enough to make an opinion on this. And my opinion from a from a betting perspective is is I I don't like to agree with these guys very often, you know. But but, but man, they hit it right on the head. To me, uh, they're using the word uh, uncertainty. Whenever I bet on a fighter, uh, and and both I think both these guys know this. I like to look for uh, consistency. Right. Like whenever I'm whenever I'm betting on somebody, I like to look for consistency. So has this has this person proven time and time again that uh, and when I look for consistency, I look for consistency and making good decisions. Right. So it's like, does this person make good decisions? Is their fight IQ high? Do they have a good chin? Or is their cardio always good? Like these are the things that I kind of like check 
naturally. And, and for me, neither one of these guys, I can't check hardly any of those boxes on, on any of those guys. So it's, it's for me, it's out of, I don't really, I'm just staying completely away from it. You know, if you're betting on this fight, it's probably just because you want to bet, you know what I mean? Like, or, <laughs> or if you know something like on the inside that, you know what I mean? Like it's, a, it, it, and I'm guilty of it sometimes. Hey, I just want to play, man. Just leave me alone. You know? So, uh, but dog, to me, it's dogger pass. Um, uh, I got a who ticket so in my pocket. So I can't lie. In this fight, you know. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I completely <laughs> yeah. understand, James. It's, like, it's longer pass for me on this. Uh, I'm, I'm out. Yeah, no, I, I get it. But for some reason, with MMA Twitter and MMA gambling Twitter, they they like to like sink like just sink on one of these fights where it's just like we can all pass. We don't need to stick in our flag here on either guy when we don't have much information on either guy. But for some reason, that that that's what these uh, guys like to do, and I, I don't mind it if they see value in the underdog, which is you know the case I'm seeing more of. Uh, I, I'm completely okay with that. All right, let's move on to the next fight here. We got Zalgas Zumagulov going up against Jerome Rivera. Both guys have had pretty tough uh, a pretty tough time inside the. UFC both win this 0-3 for Jerome Rivera and 0-2 for Zalgas Zumagulov. In terms of odds, Zumagulov is the second biggest favorite on the card, minus 295, and there has been some action coming in on Jerome Rivera, but he sits, he sits roughly around plus 265. Nick, I'll actually let you kick off this breakdown. Who do you like in this matchup between two guys that seem to go to a decision more often than not? How do you like this fight? Yeah, it's, it's another tricky one because I think Rivera is one of these guys that when he shows up, man, I mean, he could definitely bring it. Offensively, he's so talented, especially on the ground. But Zuma Gulov is a little bit more steady. I think he's a little bit more consistent. It did open market wide around minus 400, and the line is dropping right now over at Circa. We have this fight at minus 305, and I think it opened market wide around minus 400 or so. So it's dog or pass situation to most people. I actually like the favorite here. I wouldn't bet it, though. It's still at minus 300, to be honest with you. It's another pass situation for me. Um, because I do think Zuma Gulov, like I said, he's just a little bit more consistent. I think he's a little bit more durable. I think he puts everything together a little bit better. Uh, but Rivera, again, he's got that danger aspect. And I think he's just been a little bit underrated because of his performances not being so so steady or consistent, I should say. For sure, Yanni. I feel like you're salivating at the mouth to take this uh, big plus money on Jerome Rivera, considering how these guys match up. How do you see this fight going down? I think if you, you bet it, you should have bet it early and probably have bet the dog. This is one of those fights where someone's going to cash a ticket most likely and, and think they placed a good bet, even though they didn't like, there's nothing to justify being a minus four, opening a minus 400 in this spot. Zuma Gulov lost both his fights and he was favored in both of them. It's not as if he was an underdog, his opponent. Sure. He's 0 three. He closed the dog in all three of those. No, the market expected him to lose. So he didn't surprise anyone by going out there and losing going to have what six plus years younger that's a nice edge. Height, reach, advantage on his side. Um, South Pole, all those, their statistical significance to lean towards that dog to back that up. Now, stylistically, I don't know enough about these guys to say, does he have any kind of advantage and, and path to victory? But price alone keeps me off the favorite because he hasn't performed as a small favorite. And now you want me to back him as chalk? It doesn't make sense. So I haven't bet it, but it, it seems like, again, not the like a broken record, but dog or pass. I just have no confidence in betting the favor. You could bet chalk, like uh, some guys could bet chalk. And if James gives me, tells me like someone that's chalky, I'll bet it with confidence <laughs> because I there, there's, you have little room for error when you bet chalk, but you have to have strong support. And if he likes something, then he saw something and there's strong support there enough to overcome even that hold. I'm okay with that. 
but I'm not going to lay minus 400 unless I'm very confident, even 300. And I, I just don't see it. Yeah, James, I'd love to get your perspective on this coming from a coach's perspective, uh, uh, even a fighter's perspective, actually. Both guys are, sorry, uh, haven't found a win inside the UFC yet. 0-3, like I said, for Jerome Rivera. 0-2 for Zalgas Sumagulov. You got to believe it, it might impact how they actually fight, right? Like, they just want to go out there and get a win at the end of the day. How do you see this fight going down, ultimately? Well, somebody has to win, right? So that's, <laughs> that's what's great about this. Is somebody's got to win. So. Uh, to me, Zmogulov is just uh, 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 stylistically, he's a tough matchup for Jerome Rivera. One of the things at the high level, and this is this is where like I think that my brain works a little different than these guys, is I look at like stylistically how they match up, and I know these guys look at more the numbers side, and I completely agree with them. Like, there's no way that I could lay I could lay this much chalk on Zmogulov. I, I I wouldn't do it. Now, if you want, once again, we're playing just to play. Uh, I think I have him in like one small parlay, you know what I mean? Just, just, to, just to play. I do think Zimagulov is a tough matchup for Rivera. Uh, his uh, Rivera's wrestling isn't isn't great offensively or defensively. I think he's a little defensively flawed in the striking. Zimagulov likes to pressure uh, pressure fighters with volume. Uh, you know, he's he's a, he's a good puncher. He's durable. I, I I just think stylistically he's a tough matchup. But if we're straight betting this, there's no way I'm laying that money on Zimagulov. If you want to bet it, just to bet it. Uh, for me, you got to get some value out of it, and that's going to come from like a, a parlay or the over, which I'm sure is just as chalky as this is the straight bet. So, um, you know, dog or pass if you're going to straight bet it, or uh, if you want to get some value, you know, small something on on Zuma Gulab, which I did, but it's not like you know, it's not like I feel, uh, you know, I'm. I, it's basically one of those things like I bet like the three biggest favorites on the card. You know what I mean? Like, like a, yeah. a cheater bet or something like that. So it's nothing. I'm just playing to play at that point. You know what I mean? Yeah, so the over two and a half is actually minus two fifteen. So there is a little bit of chalk there, but I do believe that this fight is going to go the full fifteen minutes. However, just like everybody 100%. said, I don't. I find it difficult to believe that Zumagulov will truly cover that minus three hundred, minus four hundred line with his fighting style. He's very point fighting type of uh, oriented. He likes to go out there and just put volume and maybe maybe in a couple of takedowns here and there. I feel like Rivera could go out there and almost match his volume, but defensively speaking, from a striking standpoint, he's not the greatest. So he's going to definitely be eating some shots from Zumagulov off in this fight and that damage by ultimately play into the judges uh but i have to take a stab on this jerome rivera at by decision at plus 550 i gotta take a little bit of a sprinkle on there given i do believe this fight goes to the decision and if they are going to match each other output wise I, I like my chances with that plus 550 ticket for him to potentially cash it but uh yeah i think zuma gulov ultimately wins this fight but i think that there could be some small value here on jerome rivera all right let's move on to the next fight here very interested to hear everybody's thoughts on this we got omar uh, Omari Akhmedov, sorry, against Brad Tavares. In terms of odds, we've got minus 155-ish for Brad Tavares, plus 140-ish for Omari Akhmedov. Classic striker versus grappler matchup. Yanni, I'm going to kick it over to you to help us uh, start this breakdown. Uh, who do you like in this matchup between the wrestler and the striker? Yeah, I thought Tavares should have been a bigger favorite, but then when I dug a little deeper and I saw that Amari's has won a couple coin flip fights, I see that there's some momentum there, and I understand why the market priced it a little shorter. Because as far as looking just at the data, like if you weigh it, especially for strength of schedule, Tavares has a lot of advantages. If he's able to neutralize the wrestling, which it appears he can, based on the opponents he's faced so far, I think he'll be able to neutralize metals wrestling then he's going to have a significant striking advantage at least that's what it's he's had in the past now the only negative is that we've only seen him come back and have that one fight since that layoff so 
how much can you weigh the, the sample size of late? It's one fight. But again, I'm going further back, and that's where that strength of schedule, I think, gives Tavares, where I saw he should have been an even bigger favorite. Uh, I think that's the right side. I saw him come down in some places, then go back up. I'd like to find out from Nick where the, the public money's on and if there's any sharp money on this fight. Uh, but I, I this is a, a favorite that I don't think the price is high enough. Uh, Nick, do you happen to have that right off the bat? Yeah, I mean, early on, it was actually uh, Tavares getting the sharper action at Circa, but now we're starting to see some sharp buyback come in, Akhmedov as well. So it's one of those intriguing fights in intriguing spots where we are going to see two-way sharp action. I mean, there's several fights on this card that two-way sharp action is going to come in. Once a line hits a certain point, we get some resistance and it comes back down or, or whatnot as well. So this is an awesome fight. I'm looking forward to this. All right, we'll, we'll get right back to you in terms of getting your actual breakdown on this fight. For James, though, in the layman's eye, we just see it as a striker versus grappler matchup. I'm interested to see how much you know about both of these guys and how they match up and ultimately who comes out with their hand raised. I, I, I don't – I'm kind of torn on this. Like, I really am because there's there's one factor. Like, when, when this fight was initially announced, I was like, man, I kind of like Akhmedov in this fight, to be honest with you guys. But then I started, uh, like Yanni said, I started digging a little bit more, and Tavares is this really, really difficult to take down. The the thing that kind of scares me with this, and, and I will do, I'll probably do a smaller play on Tavares, uh, but the thing that scares me about this is is two things. Well, it's one thing on both sides. Is Akhmedov, he pushes a good pace, and and he's he's going to shoot. He's going to test your, your takedown defense. He, he puts decent volume out for a middleweight, and sometimes I feel like Tavares uh, – will let rounds, not rounds slip away, but his volume is lower. Like he's not putting out a ton of, uh, of output. So the thing that worries me is like Akhmedov could just outwork him at times, you know, uh, that, that kind of scares me a little bit uh, on this, but I, I do think Tavares is going to, is going to win. I think Yanni hit it right on the head. If he stops the takedown, he is the cleaner striker. Uh, but I have seen Tavares in the past. It seemed to like, kind of like let rounds slip away just from uh, inactivity. You know, and yep. that kind of uh, scares me a little bit to where I wouldn't want to put, put like my full my full bet amount that I normally would. So I'll probably do like a half play or something, a half unit, if whatever you guys call it. Uh, I'll probably do like a half play on that. I, I like Tavares in it, but I hate how he just lets fights let, – he'll let rounds slip away or make them closer than they need to be at times. And with a guy like Akhmedov that likes to push the pace – that kind of scares me a little bit. Yeah, I think we're going to have to be banking more so on the damage that Tavares is able to accumulate rather than, you know, having these big moments. Um, Akhmedov, you know, with his striking style, it seems like he's more like that classic wrestler striker, right? Just wide looping shots, trying to close the distance so they can eventually get on, on your legs, get a double, a single, whatever it is, push you up against the cage. And Akhmedov does that so well. There's so many fighters that have a ton of trouble. The one fight that really opened my eyes to him was when he fought Ian Heinish. I was very surprised that he was able to put that type of pace, pressure, and have that much success against a guy like Ian Heinish, but uh, we, we saw in Akhmedov's last fight, he was able to go out there and submit Tom Breeze, but I think that's more so of a Tom Breeze issue than a Omari Akhmedov being that good, right? Uh, Akhmedov, again, wrestler, good top pressure. There's been so many times in the past where I try to uh, – pursue that round three prop against him thinking that guys are going to be able to finish him and and i know people are very happy to to take that shot again i think uh, it's roughly around plus 1200 or plus 1500 for tavares to finish akhmedov in round three but tavares is not notoriously a finisher either so i think it's going to be difficult for him to get that finish but i think we'll see akhmedov land takedowns early here but i think it's going to start to taper off as the fight goes on and hopefully we get this kind of 
rejuvenated Brad Tavares, you know, second fight after having a, such a long layoff now. Uh, hopefully he's able to kind of replicate his performance against uh, Antonio Carlos Jr., put together some good damage. Hopefully, you know, downplay the control time a little bit more and then just keep this fight on the feet and just, uh, you know, outstrike Akhmadov over 15 minutes. So I'm going Tavares, Tavares' decision. Nick, we'll wrap this match up with you. How are you feeling about this fight? I mean, all three of you, I think, hit the nail on the head here with it. I think Tavares is the better striker. I think he has great takedown defense in most cases, right? He hasn't been taken down, but, I mean, more times than not, he's stuffing the takedowns, he's keeping the fight upright, and he's out striking his opponents. And I think he could do that here. What you said, you touched on, I think Akhmedov's wrestling is going to come into play. He's going to look for these takedowns. He probably will have some success early on. It'll be a struggle. It's not going to be easy. But I think as the fight progresses a little bit, he will wear down, and round three is going to probably be Tavares. But my concern here is, honestly, a lot of people aren't talking about it. Akhmedov does throw some bombs, right? And yeah. Tavares has been clipped, and he's been hurt in the past, and he's been knocked out, right? I mean, he's been in there with some great strikers, and he's been okay. So I'm not saying he's going to go out here and get knocked out. But that is a slight concern that I have in the back of my mind, that maybe Akhmedov gets a little wild, gets a little sloppy, and clips him with a big bomb or something like that. But I think it's going to be competitive, but I do think Tavares is probably the side here. I like it. Seems like we have a unanimous play here on Brad Tavares, and that always makes me feel a little bit comfortable, especially when I have Brad Tavares on a couple of tickets of my own. All right, let's move on to the next fight here. And uh, clockwise, we would normally go with uh, James kicking off this one off next, but I'm actually going to get him to kick the next one off for us. So I'll kick this one off for us. We got Jennifer Maya going up against Jessica I. In terms of odds, we're looking at minus 180-ish for Jennifer Maya, plus 160 for Jessica I. And I like the value that we're getting here on Jessica I, as I do think that this fight is going to play out very close. You know, I feel like there's a huge amount of recency bias on the Jennifer Meyer line, strictly due to her stealing one round off of Valentina Shevchenko in the last fight. And that was off of a Valentina kind of gaffe, right? Like she goes for a takedown, she gets reversed, Jennifer Meyer ends up on top, and she rides out that second round. And then, you know, we even see the, the live odds go from like minus 1,400 for Shevchenko going into that second round, drop down to minus 300-ish, and then go back up to minus 2,000 going into round three and round four, or sorry, going into round four because she's able to reestablish her dominance. Um, Jennifer Meyer, not notoriously a fighter that goes out there and seeks the grappling. You know, she's only two of four on her takedowns in her six UFC fights. She doesn't, she, she's more so trying to show off her shoot-to-box striking style, right? She goes out there, tries to throw combinations, light kicks. She, she's really good in that aspect. But Jessica is pretty good in that aspect too. Like, I think she has serviceable enough striking to keep fights competitive. And I've, I've been saying this all week. I feel like the flyweight division is like, we got Valentina Shevchenko up here, and then just a little bit of a drop-off. And then we have these group of women, like the, the Lauren Murphys, the Joanne Calwoods, the, the Andrea Lees, the Jennifer Myers, the Jessica Eyes. Like, they're all in that where they should, whenever they're matched up, more than that, they should be pick them odds. And now we're getting plus one, two, 160 is plus 165 on Jessica Eye in a fight that I feel like once it goes to the judges, which I absolutely think it's going to, flip a coin. Whoever wins, I'd rather be holding that plus 165 than that minus 180-ish on, uh, on on Jennifer Maya here. So my my play is Jessica. That's a girl that I normally go out there and look to fade. Uh, you know, I was successful in fading her with Cynthia Calvillo, but this time around, I got my money on her this time. I, I'm going to trust her as a dog, and I think she takes a, uh, maybe a split decision, but it's definitely going to be a decision uh, that I got Jessica I winning this fight. Nick, how do you see this fight going down? Well, this one, my man, is going to be interesting because I know for a fact that we're going to have two split opinions uh, okay. with Yanni <laughs> and with Kraus here. It's, it's going to be funny. So these guys are going to have some fire. For me, I'm more neutral here. I agree with what you said, though. I do think that if you're going to bet this fight, I'm going to lean a little bit more towards Jessica I because I'm expecting it to hit the scorecards. And judges, as we know, man, I mean, these guys don't know what to look for half the time. They get the scorecards wrong. 
often <laughs> fights are, especially in female fights, are so competitive. And like you said, I agree with you completely. After Shevchenko, all these girls are kind of grouped in together. And it's, it's going to be a 29-28 split decision type of fight regardless. So I don't think you could really lay the chalk. But I do like what I see from Maya. I think she's getting better. I honestly think that Maya, to play devil's advocate here, is like improving fight by fight. Since she's entered the UFC, I think her takedown defense has gotten better. I think her striking, her confidence, everything. I mean, let's face it. Even though she only won that basically a round against Shevchenko or so, um, she still had more success than, than most of these ladies out there. So I do think that that recency bias has taken her price to another level right now. It's a little bit too high, but this should be a competitive fight, and I think she should be a very, very slight favorite. I just think it's a dog or pat situation. Now I'll let like these it. guys fight it away here. <laughs> I like it. The reason I actually haven't checked out any of your content this week is just so to leave a little bit of a surprise factor for myself for once I actually get you guys on this show. So, Yanni, uh, how are you feeling about this matchup between Jennifer Maya and Jessica I? I'm so glad. I, I hope James disagrees, and, and hopefully he could talk me off of something. And, and here's why. Uh, for me, I keep it very simple. Like, since learning how to be a winning sports better, I found my edge and I stick to it. And for me, that's I follow the charts and that's it. And so it's not about uh, being able to watch the fight and quantify the differences and the styles. I can't do that. And what convinced me that I was correct was when I met, when I got the privilege to be work for the UFC and I met someone like James, met some world champions, former world champions, current world champions, even just regular pro fighters there. And listening to them talk about fighting, I realized, dude, we're all morons. Like <laughs> they must listen to us and be like, oh my God, like seriously. And it would be like Aikman listening, talk, having me talk about NFL. What are you kidding me? So that's why I stick to what I know, the markets, the betting side. And the betting side to me, this one is an, another obvious one. And again, I the one thing I learned is trade the charts that make sense. Don't try to make sense out of every chart. And it's the same with fighting. Bet the fights that make sense. Don't try to make sense out of every fight. And for this, here's what makes sense to me. We have common opponents here. This is what the market told us. Jennifer Maya, forget the Shevchenko fight. Both of them lost to Shevchenko. Shevchenko is going to be a minus thousand favorite against anybody. We all know that. But we have Chukasian and uh, who else do we have? Calderwood. Okay. They both split one and one worth each of them. Forget the result because there's a lot of randomness to any one outcome. But look at the prices. Jessica I was a favorite against both of those. One time a minus 250, another time a minus 150, 175. She was favored twice. Maya was a dog to both of those fighters. Both of them, she was an underdog. The market concluded she should lose those fights. They split, whatever. Now, coming off that Shevchenko loss, her stock actually went up. That's a fighter I'm not going to get value in. When you're losing, your stock goes up. That next fight, I'm not backing you. Win or lose, that that's not a value bet more times than not. Because the, the odds maker, the bookmaker, that guy in the top right, he's going to shade towards that bias that she looked so good. They're going to take that plus money or, or whatever. We got to shade it and make sure they take the worst of it. So I got to sit back and either be contrarian or leave it alone. And in this case, I like I, um, I actually think you know there's value there at plus money because of that and the fact this is highly favored to go to the judges like nick said and if the judges get involved you're going to be holding your breath in in females mma unless it's so one-sided um that's my argument now if james 
has his the fighting argument like dude you're nuts because she's going to do x y and z then i'm minimizing my position because i i respect his opinion he knows that but if i listened to someone else told me that i'd be like yeah okay like i i i see value and i'm sticking with it I like it. I can't wait to hear what James has to say about this matchup, considering how Gianni just uh, teed it up for him. James, how do you feel about this matchup? Oh, this is actually one of my better plays. I like I like Maya, and and uh, and, I, and I'm going to tell you why. So so first off, uh, we talked about uh, we talked about Shevchenko, right? So you said, oh, she's overvalued now because she won a round against Shevchenko. Well, uh, name the last flyweight that won a round against her. I'll wait. <laughs> it's gonna be a while it's gonna be a while <laughs> it's gonna be a while nobody's even came close it's not even it's not even close so the fact that she showed like hey i i can compete i can compete at this top level because we already we already all agreed that it's chef tanko and then everybody's down here and then when i hear everybody's down here calderwood's name was all on that list but maya dominated calderwood what are we talking like maya I mean, pissed a shutout against that against Calder Wood. She, I mean, bro, when she got her down on the ground, First it wasn't round. even close. It wasn't even close. Dominated, and and I think if this fight hits the ground, it's she's gonna cut through eye like butter. I don't know if she's gonna finish. I don't think she'll finish. But for me, if we're talking about MMA, the odds of the odds of this fight hitting the ground are are high to me. And I think if this fight hits the ground, I think it's gonna be my one way traffic. I don't think it's gonna be even close. Uh, uh, I've consistently seen improvement out of out of Maya. I think she can strike with I, uh, and I think she will get her down at some point. I don't think it's going to look pretty. I don't think it's going to be a clean double leg, but I think I will find herself on the ground at some point. And I don't think that matchup is going to be close on the ground. So for me, I'm I'm going off of uh, Maya's consistent improvement, fight after fight. Uh, we talked about you know, and this is MMA math, so the common opponent. I don't take this into factor, but it is a factor that. Uh, they have Calderwood, you know, and that that fight was extremely competitive with I and Calderwood. To me, it wasn't with Maya and Calderwood. Maya looked great in that fight. So I'm going past Shevchenko. And then uh, she looked good against Shevchenko in the first round. And then she got dominated like everybody else does. But she won a round. I mean, don't – and I know there's recency bias. Okay, so let's go back. I thought she looked good against Calderwood too. She, she You know what? And I faded her in that fight. I faded her in that fight. Maybe that's why I'm pissed off about it. But <laughs> I faded her in that fight, and and I she's looked good to me lately, and I, I think she's gonna win this fight pretty convincingly. To be honest with you guys, he saved right. me some money. James, <laughs> saved me some money, bro. Seriously. Well, you could have told me before, James. Jesus, and I already got. I'm already invested on just guy. No, I mean, don't don't change your position. No, 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 no. I'm not. But I'm willing to, to limit it because it makes sense. Listen, bro. <laughs> for me, when common opponents make zero is is. As far as MA math, it doesn't make sense. For you, it does. You're a coach. It better make sense to you. You've seen the tape. You're able to understand it. For me, it doesn't. That's what I'm getting at. So, yeah, it, win or lose, you're saving me money is what I'm saying. The outcome doesn't matter anymore. The fact that you saw that is reason enough for me to lower my position, regardless of how it turns out, because I didn't know that. Well, I, so, see, yeah, we're I see where all you guys are coming from. I, I, I do see that. And I do, I mean, when we talk about like, there's value and then there's who I think is going to win. You guys bet yeah. on value. I bet on who I think is going to win the fight. And and I do take value. Like You guys put value, uh, value ahead of it. it. Yeah, yeah, I get it, bro. Yes, that, I'm the other way. You're putting the outcome where you're trying you how it's going to turn out. Yeah, I get it. It makes perfect sense because that's how you should approach it. You're a, a, 
world-class fighter, not just a fighter, but a world-class fighter and coach whose job is to watch tape and analyze tape. I think stylistically, Maya is a really tough matchup for I. I feel pretty adamant about that. I think the spot with the ground, I think Maya is going to control the ground game. Uh, and I think, I think it'll be pretty close standing. So, uh, you know, you guys aren't wrong about anything that you said. I don't disagree with any of it. I just think Maya's gonna. I think Maya's gonna find a way to get it to the floor. And I think. Uh, I think. I just. I, I feel. I feel pretty confident that that uh, her improvement, all that stuff, will lead to a, a decisive win. See, right. sorry, not that. Not to go long, but that if you could combine that too, and when you find both, when you find the James's X's and O's, and the market making sense. That's when you take those positions, rest assured, that's where you'll make the most money. Like if you could just be selective and sit back and wait for when the X's and O's line up with the, the market, meaning, you know, just the market side gives you value too with certainty, you're golden, man. You know, but it's it's almost impossible to have one both of the things that to I be a winning is... better, it's gonna take you two decades. And to be a, a professional fighter at his level is gonna take you two or three decades. You can't do both. That's what's difficult about it. So it's it's one or the other. It's hard to have both advantages. All right, James, well, you, you can wrap you this guys, uh, matchup up first. Picks a lot. It, I, I get your guys' picks a lot, and then I, I'll see like, hey, Nick says he likes uh he likes Maya. Yanni says he likes Maya. I like Maya. We got a fire on that. That's what you know I mean? do. That's what I do. All three. That <laughs> That's what I do. That's we fi we fire. You Perfect. know. So, Confirmed. Confirmed. Yeah. <laughs> all right, all right. Let's keep this train moving along. Actually, this is the fight that I wanted James to to kick off on because he has a win over one of these guys. Uh, we got Trevin Jaws going up against Drickus Duplessis. Uh, uh, James, I, I want to kick this off you <laughs> to begin with. Uh, what when you when you got that call to take the Trevin Giles fight? How much time did you actually put into looking into Giles and how you were possibly going to approach that fight? I already knew Giles. Uh, my teammate Zach Cummings fought him, so I had already yes. studied him. I knew him really well. Like it, it I didn't put any time into it because I had already put the time in. Perfect. Okay. I think we're all in agreement here that James definitely won that fight. Rounds one and three easily yeah. uh, on James Cross's side here. But in terms of how they are, he he matches up against Drickus Duplessis in this fight, it's been pretty much a pick em, uh in terms of odds all week. We are getting a little bit more money on Drickus Duplessis, it seems like. But um, uh, James, I'll actually let you kick this one off. I'm hoping, you know, a good amount about Duplessis and how these guys will actually match up with each other. Uh, how do you think this fight plays out? Uh, man, anytime that you have a new, a newcomer that comes in like this, I just, once again, we're talking about consistency, right? And, uh, you could say whatever you want about Giles. I, I do think, I do think Giles has been gifted his last two fights. Uh, <laughs> I thought he lost. I thought I beat him and I thought Roman Dolitz beat him, but Dolitz is good. You know, Dolitz is really good. So, uh, I just look for consistency. And anytime you see a newcomer come in like that, his, his quality of opponent isn't great. Giles has fought some really good guys. Uh, he's beaten some good guys. He's, you know, and the guys he's lost to are, are pretty solid as well. So, uh, if we're talking about a coin flip fight, I want to lean towards the guy that's proven in the past that that he could compete at that level. He's not going to get, uh, he's not going to get shook underneath the lights. Uh, he can deal with the power. And I'll tell you what, Giles has his hand speed at middleweight is incredible. Like his hand speed is fast. He covers distance very fast at middleweight. Um, you know, I, the the plexus, I can't put money on him. Uh, I know he's good. I know, uh, I know he's. He's fought in some high-level organizations, Brave, uh, EFC, I think, is the other KSW. one in Africa. Uh, and he's, he's uh, I think he's got all, all, yeah, KSW, yep. He's got all all finishes, I believe. He's he's definitely good. But for me, 
it's different. You know what I mean? Like the KSW is a little dude. KSW is bigger than UFC on some events. You know what I mean? It's yeah. a big deal. But at the UFC, in terms of level of 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 technique and level of fighter, there's no better in the world of that. And uh, you know, I get I'm I'm kind of indifferent on this fight. But if you're putting a gun to my head and making me pick one, I'm gonna go Giles. I like it. Yeah, I'm going to be on the job side here too, not with much confidence. Uh, I, I do think James touched on it. Like his jab is probably one of the best in the UFC when he's on. The guy is so quick with it. He's able to get it off from different positions and different angles. And I think it kind of, it kind of catches his, his opponents off guard. The only issue that I have with both fighters here is sometimes they lack on the output and it gives me a little bit of a pause uh, betting on either guy here. And more often than not, like you, like you said, Drickus Duplessis, all of his fights haven't even gone to a, a judge's scorecards, whereas Giles has gone to a couple of uh, judges' scorecards. And I feel like if he just sticks behind Behind his jab and just kind of not really pushes the pace but kind of controls the pace uh he should be able to kind of keep drickus duplessis kind of scratching his head for the majority of the fight duplessis it seems like his attack comes from more so just power combinations every now and then he he bursts every now and then and he, he either knocks out his opponents takes his opponents down he has nine submission victories out of 15 total fights so that's definitely a path to victory for him but jazz is no slouch on the ground either james fucking had his back for the entirety of that first round and still lost that round somehow i don't He's know good. how but but uh he, he knows what he's doing on the ground so i think he'll definitely be fine there uh with that said i do think that giles will be comfortable no matter where this fight goes the only thing i can never get a solid read on is what his cardio is like there's sometimes where you see him slow down and and get choked out in the third round against guys like joe mirchard and and uh krauss's pupil zach cummings uh and then there's other times you see him actually get a knockout like bevan lewis in the third round or actually have a, a strong round in the third round so I'm still trying to figure out wh what his cardio is. He seems to be Jekyll and Hyde when it comes to that type of style. But I, I do think he'll be able to control this fight. I do think he'll jab the face off of uh, Duplessis here. And I think he'll take home a decision victory, which seems to be a, not the most popular opinion. A lot of people think this fight ends inside the distance. I think that Roberto Soldich and Gareth McLennan from 2014 yeah. were really hard hitters and really good strikers. But I think that Giles is going to be a little bit more disciplined. And I think he'll probably take this fight into uh, at least the 15th minute and get that judge's scorecards. And I'm going to say that he wins this fight via decision. Nick. How do you feel the uh, size this matchup up between a fight that's pretty much been a pick em all week with a little bit of love coming in on Duplessis now? I like what you guys said. And, and the the popular opinion out there or the popular pick or the popular guy to bet here would be Duplessis, right? And I think that's yeah. what everybody kind of feels. He's the hyped fighter coming into the UFC. He got a finish. You know, I think a lot of people are expecting good things from him. But I think it is Giles' fight to win or lose. You're absolutely right. I, I don't trust Duplessis as much as the hype that he's getting right now out there. Um, but the public betting money and some sharp action is coming in on Duplessis. Uh, we've seen some belief in him, and that's why the line has flipped to him being a slight favorite uh, at most places, right, or a pick-up type of fight, because Giles did open market-wide the favorite here. So I think the opener was more correct, to be honest with you, um, than it is now. But I, I do think I, – I don't trust Giles, I guess, as much as you guys do. He has been winning fights and then, you know, get caught in the sub. I understand in some situations against James, his, his submission defense was okay – in certain aspects of it, but I still think he's the type of fighter that's prone to kind of make a mistake here and there. And that cost him a fight before. So he's got two losses, um, you know, specifically by submission in that route. And Duplessis is a pretty good guy on the ground. He's going to look to try to take this fight to the ground if he's not throwing bombs, like you said. So I think that's the danger aspect is maybe if he does get this fight to the ground, if he gets his back or if he gets a choke around his neck or something like that, Giles can blow it. But I think Giles is going to be winning this fight until he blows it, so to speak. If he doesn't blow it, he's going to win on the scorecards or possibly even knock Duplessis out. Look, Duplessis is hittable, man, and he's been hurt. I believe he's gotten knocked out before as well. So, I mean, it's not out of the question that Giles doesn't, you know, spark him with a quick punch or two, you know, combination or something like that along the way. But I do think it's Giles or pass in this spot. 
I like it. I like it. Yanni, let's bring this match up on home, brother. How do you feel about these guys? I, I agree with both those guys, especially Duplessis appears to have the power. And a lot of KSW guys, especially when they have success there, tend to be a little bit overvalued in the UFC if they haven't had a, a, a lot of fights under their belt yet. I think that's what we're seeing here. But with Nick saying there's some sharp money, I thought it was more public money it was going to be on the Duplessis side because of how impressive, you know, with the knockout power. But I agree with both of them. I think it's it's a Giles uh, or pass. I don't really have much on the fight. I don't have a strong opinion either way. But I will say this, some actionable info. I've seen some books serving up minus 115 on both sides. If you're dealing with a book like that, run. Like, it, it, that hold is so high. Like the break even is 54 on both sides. So that comes to 108. Your hold, you're paying an 8% hold. That's almost 20X what it is on a black, playing blackjack. Like be cautious with sports betting becoming more and more mainstream and sports books popping up everywhere. They're serving up some shady lines out there. And I saw some, cause guys will put screenshot tickets and send them to me or, or shots and stuff. And some minus 115s both ways, guys betting into. Be careful, man. You know, be selective in the books you bet into. Lowering that hold alone is going to increase your ROI more than you could ever imagine. Putting more time into getting that lowered is will benefit you more than putting time into studying and doing research. So, again, I don't have much on the fight, but there's some actionable information. If you got minus 115 on both sides, run from that book. All right, I see Nick over there snickering while while Yanni's dropping that uh, that knowledge on us. Nick, you got anything to say about that? No, one hundred percent right. And you know how many people don't even have a clue what Yanni just said. You know, yeah. betters out there. So if you are new to the sports betting scene or to the sports betting world, pay attention to what Yanni just said. It means so much. I mean, at circa we are dealing minus one fifteen, right? But on one side, the other one side, is yeah, yeah, right. So we're dealing a twenty cent line. That's what it's called in comparison to a thirty cent line. Which is only a four and a half percent hold. I could live with that, man. That's fair. Yeah, yeah. So, Jay, man, James, you keep it up places, over there, right? There's a lot of places that offer twenty cent lines. No, it's not yeah, just yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love no, it. I, I love get it. it. I'm with it. I do. No, I do understand what they're saying. I do understand what they're saying. Dude, James I'm is not, sharp. I, James not, is sharp. Hey, he's got that this. trader mentality. That's oh, why, for sure. like, you that, some great analysts make the worst sports betters, and some pro athletes make some of the worst sports betters because yes. you're great at your sport. But it's a market. It's completely different. But he has an investor's traders mindset. And that's why he's able to do what he does with with the sport. Talk about the sports betting side like he does, not stroking you, but that's the truth. No, you know, absolutely. Not everyone, I, oh, I, not I all totally fighters do. There's a, there's not a lot of fighters that I can actually bring on this type of show and give me solid analysis. Exactly. From the top betting to bottom, side right? of it. Exactly. So exactly. I, I'm glad that James was more than happy to come on. All right, let's move on to the next fight here. A very intriguing fight between Ryan Hall and Ilya Teporia. Uh, we got, in terms of the line, it seems like it's coming down now, but Teporia roughly around minus 250 at certain spots, plus 195 uh, on Ryan Hall. And Nick, I'll actually let you kick this one off, brother. How do you feel this matchup goes on between the uh, heavily unorthodox Ryan Hall and uh, this young, hot prospect in Ilya Teporia? I love what I've seen from Taporia thus far. I mean, the, the guy is definitely talented. He's got good wrestling. He's got good power on the feet. He mixes everything up well. He's the better fighter. I think he's the more complete fighter in this situation, and he should be a favorite. But the line's kind of creeping up there. you got to be careful, man, because even though Ryan Hall is a specialist, as you said, I mean, that jiu-jitsu game's off the charts. He has unorthodox ways of getting the fight to the floor. So it's not just his wrestling that 
sometimes it won't get it done, but he's he's got those roles. You know, you know what I'm talking about. That has watched Ryan Hall fight, so he's got and different methods roles for days. <laughs> right, yeah. and then on top of it, his striking is so unorthodox as well. Right, I mean, it's just it's sometimes I think a lot of people don't understand. James could probably explain this or. or probably agree in some ways to what I'm about to say, but if you're fighting an awkward fighter, it makes you kind of fight different and it makes you fight worse. Like you've kind of almost fight to that level. So it's hard to kind of be as smooth and as technical as you like to be sometimes against an awkward type of fighter. And that's what Ryan Hall brings even on the feet. But I think this is Taporia's fight to win or lose, to be honest with you. If he fights a very smart game plan, I think he is going to be the better striker. I think he should be able to keep the fight where he wants to keep it. And I think he should be safe enough to win this fight. But I mean, I'm not going to personally lay 250 ish or whatever's out there right now. It's circa. We currently have, I believe it is um, minus 220 right now, plus 190. And the line actually dropped. It was a little bit higher. So there is money coming in a haul, but early on it was coming in on Ryan or uh, the other way on Taporia as well. Right. So it got bet up a little bit. Now we're starting to see some action back. So this is a tricky one, man. I would not lay more than two to one on Taporia because of the respect I have for Hall and how he can get it done. Even if he is, kind of known for more of a being kind of a one-trick pony or whatnot. I absolutely agree with you that like a, a very unorthodox fighter like Hall will probably bring out a weird type of game plan from Taporia, especially after he gets his feet wet inside the cage of the first couple of minutes. He's like, okay, this is what I'm dealing with. Let me see how I can attack it and actually be effective with it. Yanni, how do you feel between uh, this fight between Ryan Hall and uh, Ilya Taporia? Yeah, and even in today's world, you could be a specialist and have a ton of success if the opposition can't stop you. And for me in sports, I think there's nothing more impressive than that. When you know what they're going to do and they still can't stop it, to me, that's awesome. That's why I'm for open scoring. I know a lot of people are against it because they say, you know, the third right. round will be will be boring if one fighter's ahead. To me, that's your job, dude. You should know the score. In every sport, we know the score. If I'm up two touchdowns with three minutes left, I don't have to throw the ball. I'm going to run it down your throat. It's your job to strip it, use your timeouts correctly, and get the ball back and score. It's not my job to give you an opportunity to beat me. That, to me, makes absolutely no sense, that argument. If a fighter's ahead, he should coast to a win. That's what you're there for. So to me, that makes no sense. Specialists, again, I'm all for it. But here, they're going to force me to get involved if this line keeps going down. Because I'm sorry, but the most impressive win on Hall's record as far as the market's concerned happened in 2015 when he beat Artem Lobov as an underdog. Otherwise, he's won like he was supposed to win. And more importantly, he's just not active enough. For me to have any confidence in back in him, even in that underdog role, where what I see with Tapuria, he's a guy with his trajectory going up. Where I think you're gonna have to like it if this fight happens, if he didn't fight Hull on Saturday and Tapuria had two more fights and then fought Hull and Tapuria happened to win, I think he'd be minus 400 in this spot. Because stylistically, even the data shows Hall's not going to be able to use that one trick against him. It doesn't appear to me, at least. So I, I think it's a, a favorite or pass situation. And if they keep betting this down, they're going to force me to get involved. Yeah, James. Unless I, James scares us all. Because, you know, no, <laughs> you're wrong. He's going to get that trick. Out. He's going to yeah. do that 
you know, he's going to make it do his role and get it done. Yeah, that that's the thing here, James. It, it's very tough to, to prepare for a guy like Ryan Hall, who like it, even in the Gray Maynard fight, if you guys remember that one, anytime Gray Maynard would try to engage, Ryan Hall would just fall to his back or just flop to his back, and Gray Maynard's like, I want none of that. And why would he? Right? He wants to go out there and try to outstrike Ryan Hall, but Ryan Hall has that just lack of disdain in terms of respecting his opponent's striking because he doesn't give a shit about being taken down. That's why he'll throw yeah. these spinning kicks and this crazy unorthodox striking just because if he you know gets caught slacking what's the worst that's going to happen his opponent's going to take him down great you're in my realm now so james how do you prepare for a guy like ryan hall and do you think that taporia has the skill set to go out there and beat him real quick what's the what's the line on uh hall by submission hall by submission is, is currently sitting at plus 430 plus 350 plus 300 that's the play to me to me that's the that's the only play for me uh and and here's why i i mean Everything you guys are saying about Taporia is spot on, in my opinion. I love the kid. I think he's a savage. I think he's going to be able to dictate where this fight takes place. I think he's going to – it's like if I replace Ryan Hall, let's take Ryan Hall out. Let's just talk about Taporia for a second. Taporia, great striker, good good puncher, good power, uh, great wrestling, great grappling, good cardio. He's got it all, right? And I agree with what Yanni said. You know, two fights from now, this kid's going to be here. Now, let's interject Ryan Hall – to where it's like if you're doing this creative character thing on on Madden on Xbox, danger factor here for Ryan Hall is 99. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's like, it's, and, and, and and when I'm betting, when I'm betting, I don't I try to avoid uh, X factors. Right? I try to minimize X factors. These things that like, man, does he got a does he got the heater? Or Ryan Hall has the equivalent of a one punch knockout on the ground, and I could see Taporia playing on the ground with him, and that scares me. Uh, and here's the thing. This is the, 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 the last thing is I actually have a guy fighting, uh, uh, Darren Elkins who also fought, uh, yeah. Ryan Hall. And yeah. what Hall does so good is like you guys are saying, he doesn't care if he gets taken down so he can throw with reckless abandonment. He's got great kicks. Uh, he's range as long. And we're talking about Elkins. We were talking about, uh, who was the other one? Uh, Maynard, uh, Lobov Maynard. The thing is, is none of those guys punch like Taporia. So, like, I'm, like, I'm constantly doing this, like, back and forth thing. And for me, when I start doing that, I'm, like, man, just, just cut your losses and get out. For me, a small play on Hall by submission would be okay. Uh, if you want to go Taporia, uh, I, I don't mind it. I don't like where the line's at right now. Um, and and I, I'll be honest with you guys, if I played it, I wouldn't feel great about it. You know what I mean? Like, I'd feel kind of icky on the inside if I played that. So, <laughs> I think Taporia is going to win. But like putting the money down, like was it at two twenty, two thirty? I just yeah. man, Hall yeah. is golly, man. His jujitsu is next level, man. Like you can't count that dude out. I do think Tapori is gonna win this fight, and probably convincingly so. But like when that when that danger factor is a ninety nine, man, they can end a fight like that, and then you're like, you know, Tapori. I can see a situation where Tapori is whooping his ass for thirteen and a half minutes, and then Hall just and Minari rolls, and we're sitting here like, <laughs> fuck. <laughs> you know what I mean? I've been there before. Yeah. You know what I mean? You're like, God, you know. And you can't even say you can't even be mad because you because because you knew what you were getting into whenever you started it, and then whenever those happened for me, I was like, man, nah, I'm just gonna move on. I'm gonna move on. So yeah, hall, it, hall by sub is the play for me. It's a small play, but that's the play for me. 
I like it. I like it. Yeah, I'm I'm on the Taporia side here too. And I, if I'm not mistaken, he's actually one of the first ever black belts to come out of Spain as well. So he holds that like really high up in his uh, accolades, and he, he's very good in that range. Uh, I actually first stumbled upon him when he fought Brian Boland back at Cage Warriors '94 back in 2018, and I saw the odds. He was a slight underdog, plus 150-ish, and I'm like, let me just look into this kid. And there was great tape out there on him. Great takedowns, great submissions, great choke artist. Like he goes out there and he he's really good. goes for it. And he was wiping the mat with these guys. But the issue is the level of competition going up to the Brian Boulan fight was a little bit questionable. So I ultimately passed on an official side, but I did take a little bit of a stab on him at plus 150 and it, it paid off for me. He gets a dart stroke within a minute and a half, just shows you what kind of skill level this guy truly has. And I was just like, I can't wait for this guy to come to the UFC. And luckily he did, made his uh, debut against Zalal. Uh, he did slow down in that third, uh, third round. Uh, I will chalk it up to him taking that fight on relatively short notice. So let's give him the benefit of the doubt there. And then obviously he didn't really- Five days notice. Much five days notice five right days something notice. crazy like it, it, good for him to overcome that especially against a use of Salal that was streaking at the time right the guy yeah. came into the ufc three straight wins in what eight months or something like that and then he runs into Ilya Taporia. uh another thing about Taporia is that uh, i i do think he will have the better of the striking exchanges i do think he'll telegraph those shots coming his way from ryan hall and then get inside and get his boxing going uh i think he might even finish ryan hall the the only thing is he, he's so slimy and greasy to get a hold of that i don't know if he'll be able to put together a a finishing combination of any sort but i am going to go with the toporia side of things here uh i am going to take him to to win this fight uh via ko probably second or third round in the spot i'm also expecting to see better cardio from him here too especially considering he's having a full training camp and this is the the, the biggest fight of his life right ryan hall nobody wants to fucking fight this guy nobody wants to step in the cage where ryan hall and toporia is like i'm 24 years old and i'm a streaking prospect put me in there coach because I, I i think i can win this fight and i love that type of confidence from this guy all right Let's keep this train moving along. Next up, we got Nico Price going up against Michelle Pereira. Very, very fun fight here. Um, uh, Yanni, I'm actually going to let you kick this one off for us. Uh, in terms of odds, I'll just tee that up for you guys real quick. Minus 175-ish for Pereira, plus 160, plus 165 is on Nico Price. Yanni, how do you like this one? I, I wish I could back Nico Price in this spot um, because he appears to be always live um, and in an underdog uh, role. There's always upside um, with that. Uh, but I just don't see the consistency that's key that, that James always talks about. I mean, he's fought four times since 2019. Impressive. But he's won once. He's cashed one ticket for you. And he just, even in that dog role, he's just not a big enough dog to where I get excited to back on it. And I'm comfortable even if he loses. Like, you got to know going in, like, if you're not comfortable with throwing, you know, three out of every five tickets out, then don't be taking plus 400 because that's exactly what you're going to be doing. I mean, don't even take plus 300 because that's what you're going to be doing. If you can't throw three out of five tickets out and sleep comfortably, then, you know, just look at the favorites. I'm okay with that. Knowing long-term it's going to resort result in profit for me. I I'm okay looking like a fool in the short term. If long-term I'm going to be holding the money. Um, but I just don't see enough plus money on the Nico price. And with the, the favorite, again, the high potential, I don't, I hate putting that moniker, the high potential low achiever, because you get it through the UFC, you achieved a lot. Um, but it's always about how much potential and ability, if he just takes it serious. And that kind of narrative always worries me. And I, I don't, I, I, again, it's noise, not signal, but you still gotta pay attention because it's noise, but he's a favorite. So if there's any truth to that noise, it's going to cost you. And 
in the, as a favorite, there's a lot of downside risk. So no, nah, I'm okay passing on a fight like this. James, it's obviously hilarious seeing fighters that are 34, 35 fights into the career that finally decide to be disciplined. And that's what we're getting here with Michelle Pereira, who like blew his wad against Tristan Carnley. And obviously we know how that fight plays out. Yeah. And then in his next fight against Chaos Williams, we see, you know, everybody's expecting to be a chaotic fight. Yet we see a very disciplined approach from Pereira. Still, you know, being flashy a little bit, but being a little bit more conscious about what's coming back his way and even landing takedowns in the third round. I don't know if he's ever landed a takedown in his career up until that point, but it, it seemed like he's very much tight up the screws now that he's on the big stage uh how do you think he fares here against nico price especially with nico price having that one punch crazy knockout power no matter which you could have him on his head and he could still probably knock you out but uh how do you feel about nico price and michelle Pereira here uh i go back to the x factors and consistency and both these guys are wild as shit. uh is I mean, he's all over the place. You know, the the, the thing about Pahaya, that Tristan Connolly fight really just turned me completely off them. He's finally starting to, like, in my viewpoint, he's finally starting to resurrect himself again to where I'm like, all right, maybe I'll think about putting some money on this dude. And then I go over to Nico Price, and I'm like, man, this guy's getting – I mean, he's up kicking, knocking people out. He's hammer-fisting from his back, knocking people out. And it's just like, man – Surely this guy can't keep doing this, and he keeps doing it. You know what I mean? Like, he keeps finding ways to win. Uh, I'm with Yanni on this one. I'm staying away from it. Gun to my head. I, I got to go Michelle Pahaya. I The thing about Pahaya that I really that I really like in this stylistic matchup is Nico is not hard to find. He's not hard to hit. He is extremely durable, though. Like, he's really durable. But, man, if Pahaya can find you, he's going to find you again and again and again, and again, and the power is only going to get cranked up. He's not a guy. Uh, Pahea is not a guy you want to fight if you don't move your head because he's going to find you. And uh, for me, I lean Pahea here, but it, it would not surprise me if Nico did some kind of crazy Spinning Nico back. Price backflip. Yeah, you know Spinning what I mean? Back like, uppercut. I thought Tim Means was going to run through him, and he yep. was. And then – Bang, you know, he's got the eraser, he's got the power. I think Pahea is a little is a lot more defensively sound than Tim Means. Uh I like Pahea in this one. I'm not playing it. It's there's too many crazy X factors for me. Um with Yanni on this one, I'm gonna pass, but gun to my head, I gotta go Pahea. Historically speaking, whenever Nico Price fights, I would try to target the under two and a half because I always expect to be crazy chaos. He has obviously killer instinct, crazy knockout power. More often, not depending on who he's facing, you can get the same thing. The Abdul Razak Al Hassan fight being, you know, prime uh, example number one there. But like when you get like a a, a Jeff Neal, uh, Abdul Razak Al Hassan, and I'll even throw Michelle Pereira into the discussion here. I think he has the power to knock out Nico Price, even though Nico Price is hella durable in this spot. Um, but I think that we're going to see discipline, Michelle Pereira, this weekend, like I've been talking about earlier. I think we'll see him just be a little bit more cautious about what's coming back his way, especially from that long, lanky, weird frame of Nico Price. Shout out to one of my viewers from earlier on this week in the stream. They called uh, Nico Price. He pretty much has a Dorito body. It's crazy. He's just shaped like a Dorito because his freaking <laughs> his, his shoulders are just so wide. It's absolutely <laughs> insane. But he's able to just generate powers from such crazy angles, which is why he's able to rock, knock out Randy Brown from his back. 
back and why he's able to get that upkick knockout over James Vick. But Michel Pereira, as long as he minds his P's and Q's, uh, brings that controlled chaos. I think he should be able to go out there, outpoint uh, Nico Price, maybe land a couple of takedowns just to nullify the power that's probably going to be coming his way. But then again, Nico Price has power from pretty much everywhere. Um, I think he grinds his fight out, though. I, I think he all points it. I think we see this fight go to a decision, and I'm going to be taking uh, Michel Pereira to win by decision. Nick, you're wrapping this one up for us, brother. How do you feel about this matchup? I'm avoiding this fight as well. It's just <laughs> it's going to be chaos and crazy. I agree with what you guys said. I, I do think Pereira has been fighting a lot more discipline, which is good to see. Um, but he's also an exciting guy to watch because when he does turn it on or when he decides to do something wild, of course he could do it too. So, But the Chaos Williams fight, let's face it, he had to be disciplined in that fight. I mean, yeah. Williams has so much power. I mean, he touches people and he puts them out. So I think he fought very intelligent in that fight. Um, it was not an easy fight to win. So I think he's making some mental progress and I think he's technically better than Price, like you said. I think he is going to be able to outpoint Price. But Price, as James said in the last fight with Hall, I mean, talk about finishing ability. I mean, either he's dangerous too as well. And any moment of the fight, I mean, he's got enough aggression and power uh, to get it done. So I, he, in his rematch with Luke, I was pretty impressed, even though he, you know, it did work out for him. I thought he fought well. He gave Luke a lot of problems in that fight. And he improved from the first meeting. So I do see the improvements that Price is making in this game. I just think this is a difficult fight for him to win unless he gets a finish. So I agree with you here. But as far as the bet goes, man, it's tough. I think you can't really lay the chalk right now. It's minus 180 at Circa. I would not lay minus 180 against Nico Price right now. Not in this matchup, you know what I mean, and stylistically the way it is. So, yeah, for me, I'm staying away from it. But it should be exciting. It might hit the scorecards. I could see it. That's probably where the value is because it's going against a little bit of the narrative. So I get that. Uh, but I could see it ending. I could see it maybe going to the scorecards as well. It should be pretty fun and entertaining for sure. I'm looking forward to it. Shout out to my guy, Cody Saftik, who I do my propping you up show with on Thursday nights, but he threw in a little greasy theory, which I'm kind of think has a little bit of legs. Discipline Michelle Pereira has been around for two fights, and those two fights have been inside the apex with no crowd, no fans, nothing. Now he's over there, UFC 264, Conor McGregor card, sold out show, all these fans just, just cheering him on. You don't think he's going to want to go out there and flip a couple times and put on a little bit of a show and, and try to get that craziness going to rile up the crowd and potentially get a performance or fight of the night bonus? That's the only thing that's really keeping me off of Michelle Pereira is that I feel like he has that that switch that he just can't control at times where he's like, I need to be entertaining. Let me just switch this on and and uh, we'll, we'll see what happens there. But yeah, I'm still on Pereira here and I'm going to take him by decision. All right, let's move on to the prelim headliner here. We got Max Griffin going up against the resurging Carlos Condit. In terms of odds, we got uh, minus 185 on Max Griffin, plus 170 on the natural born killer. And I'm actually going to let James kick this one off for us. How do you feel about Max Griffin? Not really an up and comer, 35 years old, been in the UFC for a little while now, but Carlos Condit obviously came back from retirement. He's 2-0 against somewhat favorable matchups, we could say, uh, and fights that played out in his favor. But James, how do you think he matches up here against Max Griffin? What's the over here? Two and a half. Line on the over. Two and a half over minus two hundred. Uh, for me, I mean, I like Griffin. I like Griffin in this fight. I read a stat uh, the other day that Carlos Condit has been taken more, taken down more times than anybody else in UFC history, and he's only been attempted twenty seventh. So. I, Max really isn't a big wrestler. He's gonna strike with him, but like, I just I love Carlos. I grew up watching him, and uh, you know, I just don't think he. I think that that fight with uh, Rory and that fight with Robbie changed his life. Or I'm sorry, with Robbie changed his life. Uh, and then there's fights like that where you just can't come back from. And I think that's one of them. He just hasn't been the same since then. Rory, I think, was the same. 
Robbie Lawler was the same when he fought uh, Rory and when he fought Carlos. Like, those guys just haven't been the same since, you know? I mean, and rightfully so. Uh, but I, I just I, – I think Condit's best days are, 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 are past him, and that's and it's no disrespect. I, I, I love Condit. I'm a huge fan. Uh, but I, I like Max Griffin in this fight. I like the over in this fight. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to pay, pay that for it. Uh, but I, you know, but if you want to throw some, if you, once again, if we're playing to play, I go Max Griffin, parlay Max Griffin in the over or, or Max Griffin by decision. Uh, I like those plays here. Uh, yeah, but I just, I just don't, it's, it's really difficult for me to, uh, picture a scenario on how, how Condit wins this fight. Uh, I just, I don't see where he's going to win. I don't think he's going to knock out max i don't think he's gonna sub max i don't think he's wrestling to to decision max uh i don't think he's gonna outstrike him for 15 minutes you know yeah that, that would be the only way is if he outstruck him for 15 minutes but i just don't i, don't, I think max this is max's fight to win or lose in my opinion he's got more ways to win this fight for that reason i'm going max i don't think he's gonna finish condit max by decision is my is my play on this one I'm pretty much going to echo everything James just said here. However, I do think that we might see him take a little bit of a grapple-heavy approach here, as just like you you stated, Carlos Condit's takedown defense has been horrendous. And I mean that with all respect, right? Like he just doesn't seem to be able to stop takedowns, even against Matt Brown, who seemed to be really gassed and slowing down later in his fights. He was successful in getting that fight to the ground and 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 controlling Condit for at least two minutes there, albeit not really getting much damage off from on top. And it seemed like Carlos Condit was really working pretty well off of his back. But I think that Max Griffin will be successful at takedowns. Lance some solid ground and pound and even on the feet i don't think it's as wide of uh, an advantage for condit on the feet because he has more tools with his kickboxing and his muay thai compared to what max griffin has with with his kickboxing but i do think that um uh, his pace, pressure, and staying in Condit's face will nullify the striking style of Carlos Condit. He needs to be kind of be the, the one that's moving forward so he can get his like three punch combinations off with that kick ending off. And that's always been a very, like that's been like a signature move of his is always finishing his combinations with a high kick that just comes over your shoulder that you just can't see. Uh, hopefully Max Giffen is ready to go for that. Push him back land a couple of takedowns, control this fight. And I like the overs as well. I don't think that uh, Carlos Condit is going to get finished here. It's been a long time since he's been finished. And even with um, uh, with Carlos Condit finishing, like his last finish was Tiago Alves where he broke his nose. So let's just chalk that up to, you know, a broken nose. Before that, Martin Katman beats him in the fourth round, but this is a three-rounder. We know what Carlos Condit's game is. When he goes five rounds, he gets stronger as the fight goes on. And then uh, if you want to go even deeper than that, the last time he got a legitimate knockout in a three-round fight, Dong Young Kim, flying knock, a flying knee knockout 10 years ago. And then in terms of submissions, in case Griffin does want to take this fight to the ground and see if he can control him from there, there have been moments that Condit has had some submission offense off of his back. He had Michael Chiesa in a pretty deep armbar before Chiesa was able to get out of that. Um, the last time he submitted somebody, Carlo Prater, 2008, WEC. Not even in the UFC, so it, it's been a long time since. It looks nice off the uh, like on the surface, but when you really dig deep into it, the jujitsu from Carlos Condit is more so show than actually being completed, and and that's why I think the issue is here. People might be blind about that, but I think that Griffin will have some success in implementing his game in all aspects here. Nick, how do you feel about this matchup between Griffin and the Natural Born Killer? I like what you guys said, and I agree with you guys as well. I do think that. It's just Griffin's fight to win or lose here in this spot, right? I think he can hang with Condit on the feet. Like you said, the pressure, the power that he's got. He's got confidence right now. I think he's probably the best he's been in the striking element of things. He just recently had a, a newborn child, right? I think he's got that extra motivation. And, and you could see the happiness and the hunger last time he fought in the octagon, right? I mean, he was definitely, I think mentally he was in a different state in his life, which I think will bode him well in this fight as well. And I do think he will get the takedowns here. Condit is a great fighter. He's smart, obviously. 
but I just don't think that he is in the prime of his career. So he's going to be susceptible to those takedowns. I think he will absorb some damage on the feet. I'm not so confident. I, I know it's been a while since he's been finished, but that's why I think that there's a possibility of Griffin maybe landing that kill shot along the way and putting him out. So I wouldn't be surprised if Griffin does end up finishing this fight, but I do think it probably more realistic. It goes to scorecards. He wins maybe three zip in a competitive type of three unanimous decision fight, or maybe, maybe two to one, uh, 29, 28 or something like that. And it'll be fairly competitive, but at the same time, clear enough for Griffin to win the fight. He should outpoint him here. Yanni, before I kick it on over to you, I just want to ask James a quick question from a coach's perspective. Uh, I know a lot of people that were on court McGee against Carlos Condit when uh, Condit made his return, right? And that, uh, Yanni, uh, again, you're, you're more so on the numbers side of here, but stylistically speaking, going into that fight, everybody thought the way Court McGee wins his fight, let's take Condit down. Let's, let's control him. This is his biggest flaw in his game. What do you think led to Court McGee potentially, well, not even potentially, he threw, he shot for zero takedowns. No takedowns, zip. He went out there and tried to fight Carlos Condit's game and beat him. What do you think was going on in Carl, uh, Court McGee's mind to just abandon the takedown completely? You're asking Yanni or me? Uh, James, yeah. James. Oh, James. Yeah, I, I, I think I think a lot of times what happens, uh, and and Nick and I kind of talk about this uh, on the on the show we do. I think what happens a lot of times is when, when these guys get together, there's like this frantic mode. It's usually like the first half of the first round, first two and a half minutes. Everybody starts to like, you know, they're trying to kill you, and then after a while, they realize, hey, like I'm settling into this fight. I'm gonna be here for a minute. I can't knock this guy out. Let me settle this down a little bit. And a lot of times what happens is when they settle that down, they start sparring each other. And and whenever a fighter, whenever a fighter thinks that the fight is close, or, or I'm sorry, whenever they feel like they're winning or the fight is close, they they get one track minded. Right. So for me, what I teach my guys is like the ability to blend. Like we're doing everything. We're striking, we're grappling. And it's really difficult for some people to comprehend that. So like if Condit is not, if if I'm if I'm Court McGee, I'm trying to tell you the mindset that I could that I think that was here. If I'm Court McGee, he's, he's not hurting me. Like I'm I'm hitting him still. This is a close fight, I, and I think I'm winning. Well, you were just wrong. You know what I mean? Like I, I don't I just don't feel like he needed. I don't think he thought he needed to take him down because I thought he thought he was winning. And I, and to me, that's I I want to go in like poor poor coaching, poor fight IQ. You know what I mean? Like that's just you got to you got to close those rounds strong. And uh, I just, I don't think, I think court didn't do a good job of like saying, Hey, this is my round. You know what I mean? You can't, you can't leave that. You got to give the reason you got to give the judges a reason to pick you to win that round. And I just don't think he did that. And I think he thought he was winning the fight. And I think he was like, Condit's not hurting me. He's not touching me very much. And that's where I thought his mindset was on that. So yeah, I, I, right, wrong or indifferent. That's why I think he, he was on it. Yeah, if you look at the statistics, it was 88 to 84 for Conde in terms of significant strikes in that fight. So I kind of understand that mentality, but you got to believe when you have such a giant advantage over a fighter in a certain aspect of the game, I'm surprised he didn't choose to to, to exploit it. So Yanni, uh, I'll actually swing this on over to you. How do you feel about this fight between Condit and uh, Griffin? It seems like your eyes lit up as soon as James Krause asked for that over. <laughs> because everything James said made perfect sense yeah. because I was thinking the exact same thing. Why isn't he being exploited with takedowns and it, it never happened. And now I come to learn it what wasn't, it was being stopped. It wasn't really even much being attempted. You know what I mean? Like there's a big difference between stopping it and not even having to stop it. Um, and, and that's what it seems like happened. And even in the second time, like you said, Matt Brown got that one takedown, but it wasn't enough 
to do anything as far as winning him a fight or even the round, I don't think. Um, here's my only problem with back in Max Griffin. I had him in his last fight against Song Kinan. And I wrote down fade next because <laughs> if you remember, Kinan was coming in on fire. He was the hot name coming into that. I think he had two impressive wins, his favorite in that spot. And boom, Griffin gets the finish quickly, the, the knockout. And I thought he was going to be overvalued next time. And if he's up against an opponent, he could dumb, you know, has those advantage, doesn't have advantages against, I'm going to look to fade him. But this matchup, I don't think he's at disadvantages against Condit. Condit, not enough volume striking. And then like you guys all made the case perfectly clear. If he does use his wrestling and takedowns, easier, much easier path to victory. Also, as far as you look at the history for Condit takedown defense. So yeah, it's Griffin or pass. I haven't bet it, but I agree with everything you guys said. All right, I love it. That brings us to our main card now. And I do want to uh, give you guys a quick shout out. 500 live viewers, shout out to everybody that's tuning in and watching Smash the show that tonight. Like button Make sure you guys hit that, that like button, like button. spinning back, kick that like button. Uh, you know what I mean? Whatever it is, put that like button to sleep. Make sure you're pressing it. That's all that matters. Hit that subscribe as well, too. Also, I have their Twitter handles in the description below. So make sure you guys go follow these guys. But then again, if you guys are watching my show, more than likely you guys already follow these guys. So I guess that's just, it doesn't even make any sense for me to say that. But that's what I to the main card here first and foremost we got sean o'malley taking on chris moutinho and honestly uh, i'll kick the uh, the breakdown off for this one i'd rather see sean o'malley just sit on the sidelines and wait for a proper opponent than take somebody like uh, chris moutinho i don't want to shit on fighters or anything like that but i feel like moutinho is just out of his league in this fight he's very hittable seems like you know all the fighters that I, all the fights i've seen of his from the past he's always getting lit up in that first round uh, i believe the kid's name was azim ajim who was able to have a ton of success in that uh, uh in that first round against him and it seemed like moutinho took the homer simpson approach and just let himself let azim gas himself out and then eventually finish him in the second round but the next fight andrew salas a guy that was six and five going into that fight uh and it seemed like salas blew his wad about three minutes into that fight and moutinho was really able to get his striking off and looked you know a little bit better than I truly think he was. The commentary team, I believe it was John Morgan and CM Punk were calling that fight. They're saying, oh, he looks amazing. He looks really good. But like, of course, you're going to look amazing when you're almost fighting a punching bag that a guy who just has no gas or anything like that. So obviously, Moutinho is going to look great there. But here again, Sean O'Malley, man. O'Malley, uh, I, I haven't seen the face-offs yet, but I'm sure O'Malley looks like he's a, a weight class or two above him. He's a massive dude at this 135-pound division. Um and, and yeah, I think he's absolutely going to light him up. It's very hard to find a way to play this fight. The only way that I'm I'm looking at it is possibly O'Malley in round one. Uh, but at minus 150, and I wish we would get a little bit of a plus money on that. But again, I feel like he just goes in there and just absolutely starches him. Uh, I'd be surprised if Moutinho pulls this one out of his butt. But I do think that O'Malley wins this fight uh, more often than not and is more than deserving of that minus 800 price tag on him. Nick, how do you feel about this matchup? I agree with you. I mean, obviously coming in on short notice doesn't bode well either. You know, he's, I don't think he has the wrestling to take O'Malley down and give him problems on the ground. Uh, at least not good enough. He's not the better striker here. So O'Malley should roll here. He should be able to finish, honestly get a finish in this fight. I, I don't think it's going to go to the scorecards. I think O'Malley will catch him and, and finish him along the way. But the problem is the price tag is just too high to bet this fight. So yeah. I think you have to leave it alone. We at Circa right now have it at minus 675. There's some places that have it at minus 1,000 out there, right? So I did get a message from another sports book, and they said, why are you guys still low on O'Malley? You know, minus 675. Uh, to be honest with you, we haven't received a max bet on him yet. 
I'm waiting. Let's let's go. Somebody bet that minus six seventy five, and then we'll move it, right? I mean, until we do, I think even though I expect O'Malley to roll here, I'm not saying he's not going to win, right? But I'm not afraid to take a bet at high chalk like that either, right? I think, I mean, if we suffer a loss, if somebody comes in and max bets it, we take a loss. Oh well, you know, we'll get over it. That's no problem. But at the same time, there is some problems O'Malley kind of has on his own, right? I know those leg issues or whatnot have kind of. In his last fight, they were better. He was more prepared. They didn't stick out as much. He said, look, everybody's saying I have fragile legs or whatnot. Um, and, and now look at me. You know what I mean? It, it wasn't an issue in this fight. It's not as bad as you guys think. It's true. But what we've seen in the past, I mean, fighters get injured. Stuff happens. Craziness happens in a cage. There's no way you can lay 700 minus 700, even in this spot, even though he thinks I think he's going to roll. All of us think he's going to roll here and he's going to win the fight. So for me, I'm staying away from it. I'm expecting that line to move up even at Circa. It probably will be at minus eight or 900 tomorrow at some point. Um, but for right now, I think o- O'Malley wins, but I'm not touching it. I'm staying far away from this fight. Yanni, what do you feel about the uh, the inside the distance line here on O'Malley sitting around minus 300, minus 325? Do you see any value on that at all, considering how much of a mismatch this fight seems to be? The, the only possible thing you could bet on here is the total rounds, some kind of prop or the underdog and you probably shouldn't and here's what i mean anyone betting the favorite i see in sports books that have minus 900 minus 950 minus a thousand i'm going to make this so simple this is like basic sports betting 101 anyone betting sean o'malley above minus 850 i am telling you with 100 certainty is a losing long-term better They cannot turn profit long-term. There's zero possibility they're doing it. Here's why. At minus 850, he's higher than 850, mind you. But at minus 850 alone, the break-even's 90%. We already said at fair sports books, at fair ones, their hold is 5%. So right now, you have to overcome that 5% hold. So you have to conclude O'Malley wins this fight 95% of the time just to break even, not to say it's a profitable bet, but to say it's a break even bet at best. So you don't factor in a black swan. Every model on the planet has to, I don't care what it is. He wakes up with a headache. His girlfriend pisses him off five minutes before the fight. He slips on the way. Anything could happen, bro. He gets a text. He looks at a DM that gets under his skin the wrong way for any reason. We don't know. But every modeler on the planet factors in a black swan event. COVID was one. That's why economists that factored in black swan didn't go broke because things do happen. And I'm telling you, that's why you can't bet O'Malley. I live 10 minutes from the Las Vegas Strip, and I can promise you right now as I'm speaking, there's thousand people making terrible bets that are winning and there's a thousand people making good bets that are losing but the guys that are continuing making the good bet probably if there's a thousand losing then there's 10 winning sorry math was wrong if those 10 though they're going to keep doing what they're doing they'll be up at the end the thousand won't that's where the difference is so again this is as basic sports betting 101 you can't bet o'malley because of the price the sports books already told you that Nick's waiting for a limit bet. He's sitting there. He's saying, come on, come give me a limit bet, please. And they won't do it because no one sharp will do it. So they're going to wait for a VIP guy with a high credit limit. He's going to do it, and he's going to win that bet because O'Malley's going to go in there, knock him out, and the guy's going to say, I made a great bet. 
and the sportsman's going to pay him so quickly they're not going to be able to wait to get him his money. <laughs> they're going to run. They're gonna before they even announce it, they're going to hand him his money because they know it's coming right back with everything else he has on his credit limit. It's just a matter of time because he placed a terrible bet and they know it. And that's how they rated them. Tell me I'm wrong, Nick. Tell me I'm wrong. You are not wrong at all. Like I said, that's why, <laughs> that's why even if they do win a bet like that, you're right. A lot of the sharps, it, we're riddled with sharps. That's why a lot of times it's almost unfair when I say there's sharp action on this fight. Because to be honest with you guys, I and mean, we were a hub for sharp players, right, at Circa, because we don't restrict players. They're a legit book. One of the only ones in this city. I've been here 20-plus years, came as a runner, so I know sharp. Stardust was sharp. They're one of the only sharp originating books out here, dude. Everyone else just copies their shit. Well, and, and it's just, I mean, we just have more sharp players than we do like public players, you know what I mean, as far as overall. So, yeah, we have so many sharp players betting with us, but it's fine. I mean, we don't mind it either. We like it. We, we welcome the sharp action because, look, sharps lose as well, right? And we take that information and we get to utilize it and we try to use it to our best abilities that we can. Uh, but again, we have a lot of action that comes in. We're starting to see more public action as well. But yeah, we're waiting. No sharp better, like Yachty said, has bet at max. So he's absolutely right. If there is going to be a player that bets it, it's probably going to be a more square type of player or a board cleaner that's getting a scalp out there as well, right? Somebody that's coming in with no opinion whatsoever, just taking that line because he's scalping. I mean, minus so 650 getting plus 672 on the other side. Right. Exactly. So you might see something like that. We might bump it a little bit, depending on who the player is. If we do get some real sharp action, then we'll bump it a little bit stronger. But until then, like I said, we're not afraid to take a bet even at high chalk, even though I think it is going to win. Perfect. All right, James, I know you got a little bit of an out here. So by all means, if you ever have to step out, just no, let us good. know. But I, I do want to tee you up on this uh, with with two things, obviously. So obviously, who do you think wins this fight? But the, the first thing, first, first and foremost, remember when Sean O'Malley put out that video calling out Ricky Simone? Uh, duck, 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 Simone, whatever. Do you think that was Sean O'Malley playing, you know, 4D chess here? Like saying, I know Ricky Simone's not making 135, but I just want the public perception to be, I'm taking this, I will accept it. Like, is that, do you think, is that what you 100%. think he's doing? 100%. 1,000%. Uh, 1,000%. Uh, bet the house on O'Malley. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he says mortgage the house. <laughs> no, uh, I mean, you can't, you, you just can't at that. I mean, once again, if we're playing a play, throw them in a parlay, get the value. But, but even then you're, even then you're like, you're not, it's not worth the, it's not worth it. You know what I mean? It's just not, it's not, it's not worth the risk that you're going to, that you're going to lose. You need to win that bet 10 times to break even on, on, a, on the underdog. You know what I mean? And the, the reality is O'Malley probably wins that, bet 95% of the time, but I'm not willing to, to risk it, uh, especially with O'Malley's durability being in question so much. You know, he's he's been hurt many times and uh, seems to have some type of foot problem. I don't know. Uh, he's going to smoke this dude inside or uh, under round and a half. As soon as it was announced, I went in and, and put in under, under one and a half. I don't even know what the line was. Honestly, I didn't look at it. I think he's going to get this dude out of there. This dude's been knocked out three or four times on the regional scene against subpar guys. Uh, O'Malley, I, I have my complaints about O'Malley, but one thing he is incredible at is he a master at range manipulation, and he's got some pop in, in, in both hands. And uh, if he comes out to, sh to shark on this kid, he's going to get him out of there early. I, I think he'll get it done in under a round and a half. That's, I, you know, the, the play here is the under, in my opinion. Thanks, Awesome. I love it. I love it. All right, let's keep this train moving along. The only weight miss on the card 
We had Arene Aldana coming in three and a half pounds over, not looking the greatest either. And uh, Yara Kunitskaya is not uh, new to this either. Her last opponent, Ketlin Vera, also came in overweight. And uh, Vera, or sorry, uh, Kunitskaya was able to get the victory that night as well. Uh, I believe, Nick, I'm actually going to have you kick this uh, fight off for us. Uh, who do you like here between Kunitskaya and Aldana in a fight where the odds are, you know, minus 120-ish Aldana, plus 100 Kunitskaya? I think you got to go Kunitskaya's way, to be honest with you. I, I think I like the improvements in her game. Both of these ladies have improved since entering the UFC. I mean, pre-UFC Invicta and all the fights that they had before that, they were fighting pretty decent level of competition, right? I mean, it, so when they came over to the UFC, we expected them to be able to perform and to hang right away. But I think they take their game to another level. You know, they put the work in. They worked on several areas that they needed to, to to become better. So both ladies, you could say that about. But I think Kunitskaya is a little bit more mentally stable right now. She's confident. That was a big win over Vieira. A lot of people Absolutely. think it was controversial, but to be honest with you, man, I mean, that last little flurry with those elbows and splitting her open, I mean, you can argue that that was enough to steal that round. There's no question about that, right? And her ability to grind fighters out is what I like the most here. So she, I think she could strike with Aldana. Aldana obviously has more power in the feet, so you got to be worried about that and concerned, but I don't think she's going to be in that space as often as, as most people think. I think she's going to be able to push her up against the cage. I think she's going to get some takedowns. I think she's going to be able to land some ground and pound. I think she's going to be able to steal this on the scorecards as well. So for me, it's Kunitskaya or pass. And this is a play I gave out on UFC Fight Pass. And make sure you check out Yanni and I. Our official plays are all on UFC Fight Pass. Quick, shameful plug there for us, Yanni. Um, but I also gave this out. This was the one play I gave out on ESPN as well with uh, James Krause and Brett Okamoto. So Kunitskaya for me. Um, I think is a play here. It's it's dog or pass. She's a slight dog. You could better, I think, is a slight favorite as well. Minus 120, minus 130. Anything beyond oh. minus 130, though, you got to be careful about. Oh. But I know James Krause does not agree with me here, so I'll let you go. <laughs> no, yeah, Yanni's so got to go next. Yanni's got to go next. Gianni's yeah, yeah, go. I'll get to you, James. Don't worry. I, I can see you as soon as I said that she missed what you're like, God, motherfucker, that. But uh, <laughs> Yanni, the, the line, it seemed it opened up roughly around plus 155, plus 160 is for Yanni Kuninskaya, and steady money been coming in, pushing her to a plus 100 dog now. Uh, how do you feel about this fight in that line movement? My problem is Kunitskaya has built up a lot of equity with me, and it's hard for me to favor her if I have her in an underdog spot. Like, I backed her in her fights and four of her last fights, and she's come through. I I've even backed her in the one that she lost. Like, because I was seeing the, the improvements and that the market wasn't respecting it at all. Like, giving her no respect for any of her wins. And be, the reason for that, from what I saw, at least the box score was she's willing to do it unimpressively. And here's what I mean by that. That's no disrespect. That's like there's some players that get it, that are worth more wins to a team, but they're not going to get you fantasy points, but they're worth more wins. Kunitskaya is that type of fighter where I don't know, I don't do MMA fantasy, but it don't appear to me she's going to light it up for you because she's willing to hold you against that cage, grind it out. She's a smart fighter, and that's why I don't think Aldana may have an opportunity to use that power. Um, so for me, I, I lean with Nick here because of Kunitskaya being an underdog, and I think still, again, here's the market. She's winning and winning and winning, but showing her no respect. And for me, I think that's a mistake, but I haven't bet it. I, you know, I will say that I haven't bet this fight so far. 
All right, James, just based on your reaction, it seems like you're on Aldana in the spot, but I do want to pose a, a quick question to you regarding Yana Kuniskaya's last fight against Ketlin Vera, where she gave up almost nine minutes of control time. Obviously, she spent a lot of that fight on her back, but she was still able to dish out 215 strikes compared to the 35 strikes that Ketlin Vera threw out there. So wh what do you think should be uh, scored more? The, the, the fighter on bottom throwing the damage or the fighter on top controlling the fighter on bottom? I think that's going to be, I think you got to look at that as a per case basis, right? Like, I mean, like, are we talking like this? You know what I mean? Like, it's it's all, uh, what is the damage? You got to take, there's so many factors that you got to take into play on that, in my opinion, to, to, it's a, a per case basis. So, uh, and then positionally on the ground, are we talking about guard? Are we talking about half guard, yeah. mount, back? Like, what, what position are we talking about? Uh, that for me, it's case by case basis on, you know, how significant the strikes from bottom are. I mean, if somebody's, you know, popping a coconut from underneath with an elbow and there's blood everywhere. That's a, you know, we should, we should score that. But if you're in bottom mount, getting your face pounded in, we should score that, you know? So mm -hmm. it's, there's one extreme to the next, uh, as far as the fight goes, uh, I couldn't fade these guys more. I think Aldana's gonna, uh, I think Aldana's <laughs> gonna, <laughs> I do, man. I don't, I, and here's, and, I, and I'll tell you why. And I know what they're thinking. These guys, these guys, uh, these guys work from a, a strictly betting standpoint and, and correct me if I'm wrong guys. Uh, we're looking at a, uh, essentially a coin flip fight, so you got to go dog in a coin or, flip fight, right? Am I wrong? Yeah, that's how I looked at it. Like, I, yeah. I don't see enough to lay some chalk because you got to, you know, like I always say, I call it the cost for admission. Like, am I willing to yeah. pay admission to go into this one? And, like, to me, back in the favorite here, there's there's a lot, like, there's an a cover charge that's a little too much for me. No, and and if and if and if my brain stopped at at a betting perspective, I would be in the same boat as these guys. So these guys aren't wrong. Stylistically, when I look at this fight, uh, I mean, this is MMA math, and this is once again, this is not the factor; it is a factor. A common opponent, Kevin Vieira, uh, Yana won a con very controversial decision that I thought she lost, and Aldana got her out of there in the first round. You know, and once again, styles make fights, so that's you know you can kind of take that, and put it to the side. That doesn't; it's, it's just a factor, just something to look at. Uh, another thing that we're not taking into consideration is that fight with the apex, right? Yana, Yana wins fights by putting people on the fence. Like, let's be honest, she, she grinds people out. That's how she wins fights. And it's a lot easier to do in that apex cage that's, uh, what is that? It's a 25-foot cage compared to a 30-foot cage. Uh, Aldana wins fights off of, off of volume and footwork. And we're talking about five, five feet, and it doesn't seem like five feet is a lot. Five feet all the way around is a lot more space to work with with somebody – that has great footwork and, and good volume. Uh, I like Aldana in the big, bigger cage here much better. And uh, I think I think she's going to out, out volume Kuniskaya. I think the, there'll be moments where Kuniskaya the, – the only thing that scares me is, is Kuniskaya holding her on the, on the fence. I think Aldana – you got to think Aldana's addressed that in her camp. I mean, the volume is going to be difficult. I, I, to be honest with you guys, I think Yana is going to have a, a really difficult time finding her, period. And Nick said something about – how he thinks she can strike with her. I completely disagree. I think this is going to be one-way traffic striking with Aldana uh, swinging the hammer. I, I, and it won't be, it won't be like super significant. And I could be wrong. These guys, these guys have tooled me on fight weeks before. So, you know, there was, there was one, one, uh, a couple, this has been probably three months ago where Yanni getting his picks and I disagree with almost every single one of them and they all won. You know what I mean? Like, so like, I could be wrong here. You know what I mean? It's but come I the other way fight, around too, though, bro. It's yeah, left exactly. also. So. Right. Yeah. So when I look at this fight stylistically, Aldana has a huge advantage. Uh, I would bet this up to 150, to be honest with you. And, uh, wow. and I, I would. Wow. I think Aldana takes the fight pretty easy. I really, I really do. That's and what she, it opened at, James. At least the, the first book that went to market, they agreed with you. They opened at 150. 
And then even I think Penny she, opened I think she takes this 30-27 pretty easily, man. I really do. Interesting. And this is uh, this is my biggest play. This is my biggest play on the card. Wow. I like it. I like it. Uh, Man, I'm actually on the Kunitskaya side of things here. So I'm with uh, Nick as well. I, I do think that we'll see Yana, who, in my opinion, I think she has serviceable enough striking to actually, you know, not get knocked out and not get completely washed on the feet here. I do think she will, she will be successful in terms of corralling Irene Aldana up against the cage. And this is Aldana coming off the biggest, you know, spot in her career, uh, a main event slot against Holly Holm, where she got thoroughly beaten pretty much everywhere. Like Holly Holm, you know, it seems in this part of her career, she's going out there and, you know, turning on the or putting on a rest. <laughs> Apples and, oranges, though. Uh, no, home. for sure. No, for sure, though. But but well, Holly Holm, like notoriously a, a striker in the latter part of her career now, she's going to the wrestling. I believe she landed five of 14 takedowns or something on, on Aldana here, which really swayed the judges in terms of getting those rounds. And I think if uh, Holm can land those takedowns, I think Yana will be able to do the same here or at least corral her up against the cage, you know, get some control time, maybe get some damage out there. And again, Aldana looked like shit on the scales this morning and i mean that with all due respect like it did not look like she she had a good weight cut at all um she had a reasoning it all it is what it is but i do think that will come into play once they actually step in the cage especially when she has, she has to deal with that uh that that pressure and that 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 grappling that i believe kunitskaya will put on her but again i could be wrong here too uh, I'd she's be, never I'd be... been a gasser though cardio's never been an issue for her ever it has been for for yana though and and another thing is statistically the person that misses weight wins more times than not that there was this crazy stretch where there was like everybody who missed weight was like winning, but I think it's starting to teeter back the other way now, where it's starting to, to even out a little bit more. But I, I, you definitely make a great point regards to uh, fighters that actually missed weight. We'll see how she actually looks come fight time. It seems like Ketlin Vera when she missed weight, it really impacted her performance against Yana Kuritska, and Kuritska was able to take advantage of that. Let's see if it happens again here tomorrow night. All right, let's move on to the next fight here. We got Tai Tuivasa going up against Greg Hardy in terms of odds. We got minus one thirty-ish on Tuivasa and plus one ten on Greg Hardy. And uh, I believe Yanni, I'm actually going to get you to kick this one off for us, brother. I'll tell you, I, I, listen, my, for me, I'm surprised. I, I think Hardy should be the favorite. And with the line moving the way it is, it's going even more towards Tuivasa. That's scaring me. So I can't wait to hear what Nick has to say, what's happening at the, at the betting window. And here's why. Me and Nick talked about this off camera at, at Apex. And he's like, Tuivasa may go for, because I'm like, the only way Hardy loses this fight is if he gets taken down. He's like, Tuivasa could go, may go for takedowns. And I'm like, but I see nothing there that he's going to do it. And for me, that's what made me so confident for Izzy over Vittori because it, at least on paper, it looked to me, Vittori, 80% of his fight time in the UFC, he spent standing. So it, at least historically, he hasn't been down on the mat for a lot of a fight. And then... 80% of his strikes were all to the head. And I'm like, for a striker like Izzy, he's going to figure him out in all 30 seconds. Like, so obviously he ain't, he ain't mixing it up. He's not like, I, so for me, I, like, I didn't see where all of a sudden he's going to turn into this guy who's going to impose that will on him. I don't see where Tuivasa is going to impose that wrestling will on Hardy. And if he doesn't, I got the athleticism on my side. I got the height on my side. I got the reach on my side. And I think, Tuivasa is overvalued because he won two straight fights where uh, my guy Hardy's coming in off a loss. But look at those wins. Struve, one and six his last seven. And Hunsaker, zero UFC wins. Again, not to knock him, you're at that level, not there by accident. Um, but you got to weigh that strength of schedule. So for me, I, I, I'm surprised Tuivasa is a favorite and even a bigger favorite today than he was last night. 
And that's what confuses me. All right, James, how do you feel about this matchup between you? You seem to light up a little bit. I'm not sure which side that's for, but who do you like here between Tuivas and Hardy? Uh, I, I just, my thing just cut out, so I missed a lot of it. But from what I heard, what I heard uh, Yanni say, I, I'm glad that I heard him say that because whenever I seen the Lions announce, I I thought Hardy should have been the favorite as well. I, I couldn't believe it, and I was like, sometimes I have a tendency to this. And Yanni, we've talked about this. Like, yeah, I have a. And I told you, head. don't you know more? Know, don't think know. they know more than you. <laughs> I know, they have to fact. I, they're risk managers. They have to factor in the public, the squares. They're not just know, thinking about the sharp. They got to factor in the ninety-nine percent. I always tell you that. Uh, you do, you do, and 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 I and I did play it. I did play it. Uh, the reason why I like Hardy is is Hardy's longer, and I, I feel like Tui Voss is one of those guys that's too cool for school at times. To where his chin is so good, you're probably not going to get him out of there. Uh, and and he knows that, you know, like you're not going to finish me, so I'm just going to take my time here. And Hardy's been known to, you know, put a decent put a decent pace on. The only thing that worries me about Hardy is that is I've seen him quit before. You know, he's quit mentally before. That worries me. I have seen some much improvement. Uh, Hardy to me is like uh, Michelle Pahea kind of, right? Like he, he he did me dirty long ago, and now he's just finally starting to, to get back in my good graces because he's shown some consistent improvement. Uh, I could see a scenario where he gets a little tired in the third and, and Tui Vasta hits him with something big or something like that. That's what scares uh, me. Yeah, it, it scares me a little bit. But as far as like who the better fighter is here, I think it's, I think it's Greg Hardy. And I – I'm not a Greg Hardy fan, but I, I I think stylistically he matches up really well with Tui Vasa. If I I I I I didn't have a big play on this, but I was like, man, I'm just gonna sprinkle something on on Hardy here. I I think that I think it's a good good matchup for him. I really do. Uh, James, I think you hit the head uh, or hit the nail on the head right there. Like the two things that worry me about Greg Hardy, uh, the, the cardio, uh, especially if he goes out there and like just wings or bombs on him like he did against Martin Tabor in that first round and then just falls flat in that second round. Even the Maurice Green fight, it seemed like he was really starting to gas in that fight. But luckily for him, he was finally able to find that chin and, and get the finish there. But like we, we see what happens when he starts to mentally break and mentally fold. Uh, fighters are able to take advantage of him. And I feel like Tai Tuivasa is one of those guys that can do that. Tai Tuivasa, more than likely will lose that first round so i think this could be also be a great live betting experience for anybody that that goes about it that way like you might get a better line on taito ivasa going into that second round if you truly think he wins this fight because greg hardy as we saw in his benson solely fight which is probably his best performance to date where he's just sticking and moving leg kicks stick and move stick and move don't you know get overzealous don't try to think that you're going to finish this guy and although i i could see similarities between benson solely and taito ivasa i think we'll get more resistance and more counter strikes from tuivasa that could potentially catch greg hardy and slowly start to break him and that cardio is going to start to come into play and i think that's where tui vasa will, will, will start to take over albeit tui vasa historically not a great cardio machine himself but i think if he can go out there and and break greg hardy i truly think he's capable of doing that and he can lean on his durability to eat the shots of greg hardy and again if greg hardy goes out there and just sticks and moves sticks and moves uh he's not going to land anything that's going to put tied to ivasa out he's going to have to commit on his strikes and really get it going and if he doesn't get him out there then he's fucked his cardio is going to be gone and then tied to ivasa will be able to find that kill shot probably in that second or third round so personally i'm staying away from this in terms of serious money but uh, the only things i'll be sprinkling is probably tied to ivasa in round two and tied to ivasa in round three and i'll be looking to get some exposure on Tuivasa going into round two depending on how that first round went so uh, i'm gonna go with Tuivasa second or third round ko nick uh, i'll let you wrap this one up in terms of who you think wins this fight here 
I'm going to side with James and Yanni here in this spot, of course. I mean, Leave I, me I on the think... island. It's fine. Leave <laughs> me on the island. <laughs> well, a lot of times the person on the island actually ends up pretty well. So uh, <laughs> in this case, it might happen. But I, I get it. Both these guys, I think, have potential to finish each other, to be honest with you. Even, even though you said Tuivasa uh, is pretty durable, he showed that durability. Hardy, I mean, make no mistake, this dude can no hit. Doubt. He's one of the hardest-hitting heavyweights, period. And Tuivasa <laughs> has been stung in fights before. Let's not make that mistake. So I think Hardy is one of the hardest hitters that Tuivasa has faced. I think if it becomes a firefight, Hardy has that advantage with the length. You guys already touched on a lot of the attributes for Hardy as well. I think right now we're getting Hardy at this price because Tuivasa is coming off back-to-back wins. A lot of people think he's back on track. And he's had some decent performances in the octagon, right? But at the same time, I think Hardy is just a special freak of nature athlete. He's getting better fight by fight for sure. His striking's getting better. Tabura was just a very smart, difficult matchup for him, I think. Especially he survived. He weathered that storm in the first round, and then he got the fight to the floor. And what Yanni said off camera, we did talk about this. Look, if you're Tui Vasa's camp right now, even though he's not that type of fighter, how could you not tell him to at least That's what's – you're right. You <laughs> being take, right what worries me. How could you not – like, if you can't get it to the floor, so be it. Go to plan B. Strike with him. That's what you do anyway. But at least attempt a takedown because if you get top position on Greg Hardy with that power and that size, you know, both these guys are big dudes – yeah. you're going to be able to probably do damage and land it probably win. So at least attempt it. So I wouldn't be shocked if Tuivasa tries to follow that path along the way to, to try to get a takedown, even though he's only attempted two. And I think it was all the way back in his first fight, his debut, his whole UFC career. So if he doesn't, I won't be shocked. But game plan wise, his camp has to come through here and at least attempt it, I would think. But outside of that, I don't think he's going to be successful at it. I think Hardy's going to be able to keep the, this fight upright and land the kill shot eventually too, which is hard to believe. But even if not, even if they start to wear down, I think Hardy could at least steal the first two rounds and win two, you know, two out of three rounds and get the decision. So I think it's Greg Hardy or pass for me. Last thing I'll say about this matchup, DC was actually posed this question on all uh, their weigh-in show while the weigh-ins were going on. And the question was, does Taya Tuivasa complete at least one takedown in this fight? And, you know, Tuivasa has trained with DC in the past and DC's like, He's not a good wrestler. Like, he flat out said he's not a good wrestler. Like, if he trips and falls and ends up on top of him, that counts as a takedown, right? That's the only way he's taking him down. So we, we definitely have that to, to take into consideration here. All right, let's get it to the main event here. This is the fight that I'm easily most excited about on the card. Very interested to hear everybody's take on this fight. But we got Wonderboy Thompson at, at the young spry age of 38 years old going up against Gilbert Dorino Burns. Uh, in terms of odds, we got some uh, money on Stephen Thompson here. Minus 160-ish. The return on Burns roughly around plus 140. James? Give it to us, brother. How do you feel? How do you see this fight going down? Yeah, I love I love both these guys. I'm a big fan of both these guys. I've I've uh, followed both these guys' career for a long time. Uh, I think stylistically, Wonderboy is a really tough matchup uh, for for Burns. I, the height difference, the reach difference, uh, and 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 I like Burns a lot. But you can you can find a lot of guys to look like Burns. You know, you can make a phone call and get twenty guys that look like Burns. There's like five people on planet Earth that can do what Stephen Thompson do. <laughs> Raymond Daniels, like, apparently. <laughs> yeah, Four of them Daniels are busy. Great, yeah. <laughs> Daniels is a good look. Daniels is a good look. You know, <clears throat> that is a good look. But Daniels, uh, Daniels is very kick heavy too. He doesn't, he doesn't use his hands very often. Wonder Boy will box you up too. And that's, it, it's just, he's good, man. He's really good. Uh, and and uh, I think I seen a stat somewhere that he got taken down by Matt Brown in his first fight five times, and then since then he's defended like eighty eight percent of takedowns. Yeah, which. You know, he's shown he can do a really good job of that. But I don't even think it's going to be that case. It's going to be another thing where you see bigger cage. Wonderboy's got more. He's just hard. I'm telling you guys, he's hard to touch out there, let yeah. alone take down. You know what I mean? Like, look at what he's doing. Look at what he did against Jeff Neal. I mean, good Lord. He danced around that dude and made it look easy. 
easy. And he's done that to so many good guys that we're all like, this is going to be the guy. This is this will, you know, this guy's going to give him some problems. And he just makes it look easy. And uh, I'll be honest with you guys, I think Wonder Boy is the best look to be uh to beat Usman. I really do. I, I think he's I think he's the toughest matchup for Usman. And I could see him if 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 you told me, hey, the the welterweight title goes to somebody else within the next year, my pick would be Wonder Boy. I like it. I like it. I'm actually right there with you, dude. I think that Wonderboy and Colby Covington probably have the best shot to beat Kamaru Usman. Obviously, we saw Colby Covington fall short, but that was a very close fight. I would love to see a rematch there. But yeah, I, I think Wonderboy is my favorite spot on this entire card. He is like the play that I'm most confident about. I feel like he's going to go out there and put a clinic on Gilbert Burns. Let's just quickly run through Gilbert Burns' welterweight history now. He took his initial welterweight fight in the UFC on short notice against Alexei Kuncheko. He gets the victory there, but starts slowing down later in that fight. The Gunnar Nelson fight, similar situation there. The, the next fight, the Damian Maya fight, stylistically a great fight for him. He was in the jaws of defeat with Damian Maya on his back, able to get out of that position, get back onto the feet, and then absolutely starch him. And then Tyron Woodley in 2020. Again, I try to be as respectful as I can to fighters, but we know Tyron Woodley in 2020 is nowhere near what he used to be back in the day. And uh, Gilbert Burns had showed great cardio in that fight because, James, you know this, when you have absolute success in your fight and you have almost no resistance, your cardio is going to look amazing because yeah. you're dictating where this fight goes. You dictate the pace and everything. And that's exactly what Gilbert Burns was able to do in that fight. And then we saw the Kamaru Usman fight. He, I feel like the, the narrative that he hurt Kamaru Usman in that first round is a little bit overblown. I think the commentators were like thinking that he was closer to getting finished than he actually was. He definitely got him off balance, but I think that Kamaru did a great job in terms of getting his wits yeah. about him. Even if he champion. did, though, Usman, Wonder Boy ain't Usman on the feet. That, like, that's what I mean. That's about... what I'm getting to. That, that's what I'm getting to. So he, he might, like, if he lands a shot on Wonder Boy here, I don't think it's going to get to the point where it's like, okay, he's going to knock him out or anything like that. I truly think that people are are, are low on Wonder Boy, lower on Wonder Boy than they should be because of that Anthony Pettis knockout. I think that's more of an anomaly than anything. That was a quintessential Wonder Boy Thompson 50 45 just waiting to happen. And that weird Superman punch comes out of nowhere. The only success Anthony Pettis really had in that fight he had some good leg kicks in there and all that but again that was a wonder boy fight all around uh, gilbert burns grappler first turned striker thanks to henry hooft henry hooft goes out there gives him a striking game uh, a dutch kickboxing style and it's similar to what vicente luke brings to the table too who just fought Wonder Boy Thompson two fights ago and got absolutely lit up. Smoked. And that's like probably the best we've ever seen Wonder Boy Thompson look at 37 years old, 36 years old, goes out there and drops him numerous times. So he's looked absolutely phenomenal. And even being Jeff Neal over five rounds, like James was talking about. Wonder Boy Thompson has Gilbert Burns covered everywhere. I think his movement is going to be good enough to nullify a takedown attempt from Gilbert Burns. Gilbert Burns is going to be whiffing at air for the majority of this fight, gas himself out. And I'm calling it right here. Wonder Boy Thompson, round three KO. I'm going for that plus 1,000 for round three uh, on uh, Mr. Wonder Boy thompson i'm gonna be hitting that and then obviously plus 300 is for wonder boy by ko i'm hitting that as well nick i'll hand it on over to you before i get it gets too hot and heavy over here for me because i love me some <laughs> wonder boy thompson <laughs> i think you're right man i i think that uh that's probably the way it's going to play out i think thompson is going to be too much what james said what you said um he is an elite level striker one of the best strikers historically in the sport ever i mean the transition from karate point fighting kickboxing over to mma and having that level of success not many have seen it. I mean, even you guys were talking about Raymond Daniels earlier. I mean, I know these guys fairly well because, I, you know, my background is sport karate, all that stuff. I mean, those guys are special. And Raymond Daniels doesn't even uh, – he wasn't able to even cross over as much and have success like Stephen Thompson, right? And we know how good – Raymond Daniels is one of the best all-time kickboxers and karate fighters and whatnot as well. So I think Stephen Thompson is just an elite special type of talent that has gotten better. At 38 years old, I don't think he's ever been better because he's put everything together like – 
his mental aspect of things. If you remember early on in his career, he had some cardio issues. That cardio has been addressed, and it's hard to get over that hump, I think, with a lot of these fighters because I think a lot of times when we see bad cardio, it kind of sticks with them, even if they try to get over that hump. I mean, historically, they, don't, they just can't do it, but he has done it. He's improved quite a bit. Burns is dangerous, though. This is my hesitation here. I mean, he has that one-punch knockout power that we've seen time and time again that he could maybe kind of get lucky, I mean, you know, land it on the feet, or if he does – find Thompson in a, a position on the ground, he could obviously submit him as well. So he has that danger aspect, as James mentioned earlier with Ryan Hall, that all it takes is one takedown or one back take to end the fight for sure. Uh, but I do think it's Thompson's fight to win or lose. He controls the space. He controls the distance. Early on at Circa, we've had some sharp action bet Thompson up. So the sharp, the heavy betters, the sharper betters were max betting Thompson. We raised the price, excuse me. <clears throat> now we're seeing action back down. Um, come back down with more public action. Some sharps mixed in as well, but there's a lot more public action at Circus Sports on Gilbert Burns. So I think the way this is playing out, it seems like Thompson is a sharp side. I mean, all of us kind of pretty much agree with that as well. But I think at the price, still minus 150, 160, it's a little bit more difficult to, to bet on it and lay that chalk because of Burns' success as of late. He seems to be you know fighting a little bit better in the welterweight division, obviously getting that title shot. Um, his confidence outside of that last loss to Usman has to be at an all-time high as well. And I know they're going to game plan appropriately and try to get inside, close that distance, and you know get this fight to the floor if they're able to. So a little dangerous, but I still like Thompson in this fight. All right, Yanni, let's make this one a unanimous one. How are you feeling about Gilbert Brenza, one of boy Thompson? I actually placed a bet on this fight, but it's on the total on the rounds. I'll get to that. I don't want to rain on the parade and that's what I'm worried about right here. So you guys got to talk me off that Burns bridge because I haven't bet it, but here's what I'm, here's what scares me that and and me again, I, I try not to pay attention to noise, but I, I use it a little to play contrarian and, and gauge the pulse of the market. And here's what I hear and from not these guys from being out here in Vegas and it's that kind of week. Um, that Steven Thompson is the heir apparent. He will be fighting for the welterweight strap next. It's just a matter of getting past this fight. Like we're all waiting. He's got two wins in a row. He's next. And it's been a little while. That worries me, number one. Whenever the heir apparent, more times than not, it just doesn't work out the way we want it to. 38 years old worries me a little. And then he hasn't been profitable in this role. I always say, when in doubt, zoom out. That tells us the truth, the law of big numbers. Because like I say, even losing betters have hot streaks, just like winning betters have cold streaks. And with Thompson, yes, he's won two straight, coin flip fights around a minus 120 favorite. But when I zoom out, when he's been a favorite over his last four, he's two and two. And he's been an average of minus 175. So you've lost money back in him. Over his last six, He's three and three over his last seven, three, three and one. And he's an average favorite of 165. So again, he split out. You lost money back in him as a favorite in this role. That's what worries me that it's the, we already gave him, he's next in line for Usman. We all, everyone's already declared that. And then though he hasn't at least rewarded betters all that much throughout. He's been a little overvalued in his career and Burns continues to be undervalued where he won six of his last seven, but this guy's been only favored in three of those fights and never more than 170. I mean, 170 average. He was a dog, the rest of them. So for me, that was what was worrisome. But again, I, I listen to the people I respect and because of the, they're on the Thompson side, I've left it alone. And I bet the under two and a half at plus money. 
because it, at least the data tells me the path to victories looks like whoever dominates is going to be able to dominate. Like if Thompson wins this fight with his striking, he's probably going to get him out of there with it, you know, tire him out and, and to get him out of there. If Burns gets him down on the ground, I don't think Thompson's going to survive it. I, like I, at least it looks like paper Burns is that elite. Um, so for me, that's why. So I look at it like if, if either guy dominates this fight, I should cash my ticket and hopefully one of them is able to impose their will. I was, I'm, I'm getting a little bit of PTSD betting the under two and a half in fights. The last time around, I bet under two and a half. I had Julia Avila against Julia Stoliarenko, and we saw Avila yeah, get the submission with 50 Not to hold now. you up. Can, can Burns take Thompson down? Because here's what I see that over Burns's the over Thompson's last four fights, all four guys, none of them averaged more than 0.6 takedowns for 15 minutes. So none of them are, are using wrestling offensively. Over, he hasn't had one UFC opponent that averages more than two takedowns per 15 minutes. Burns does average over two takedowns, something he hasn't gone up against. Does that matter? Or is his takedown defense as legit as at least the 80% almost appears? Or is I, I, it just he hasn't fought guys that are had Burns' ability to get the takedown? I feel like Wonderboy's fought fighters that have better takedowns than what Burns is going to bring to the table here. And not to mention, it's going to be so hard to corral Wonderboy Thompson in that 30-foot cage and just find him up against it. Even when he's backed up against the cage, he does such a good job in terms of misdirections and thinking he's going to go one way and come the other and then pop you with a couple shots. And then you're just like, oh, I thought I was supposed to be shooting a takedown right now. I don't gotcha. know if James can, can back me up on that, but uh, would you agree? Yeah, I don't think it's a matter of I don't think it's a matter of taking him down. I mean, you can't take a shot if you can't. You know what I mean? Like you gotta you gotta find the dude before you can even take a shot. You know, and I think he's just so damn hard to find that people aren't attempting takedowns on him. You know, like yep. like in order to fight him, you're gonna have to fight him. And I do think Burns is gonna do that. I think I do think Burns is gonna create a couple car crashes where you you know these guys are gonna lock up and and maybe he does get him down or get him to his butt. You know what I mean? I don't know if he'll get him down down. I think he has to to win this fight though. To be honest with you. Uh, but it's, I'm telling you, it's, we're talking about, it's hard to touch him, let alone shoot yeah. the double leg on him. You know what I mean? Like, it's hard to get a hold. You got to find him. That's where it's like, he makes people look stupid. They're constantly doing this, you know, and it's just, it's hard to find him out there. It's one thing to improve your striking as Gilbert Burns has and go out there and fight guys like Alexei Kunchenko and, and Damian Maia and Darren Woodley, but it's another completely different universe when you're talking about competing one boy uh, competing against one boy Thompson yeah. trying to track him down. All right, let's get to the main event here, and then we can wrap this thing up. Dustin Poirier, Conor McGregor. In terms of odds, the love has been coming on Poirier over the last couple of days. He's roughly around minus 130, minus 125, plus 105 on Conor McGregor. And I'll kick this one off for everybody here. Tough fight to break down. I've had so many people all week saying, oh, Poirier just beat him six months ago. This is a no-brainer. You got to bet Dustin Poirier. That's not how MMA works. It doesn't work that way. We know if these guys fight 10 times, there's going to be significant amounts of different outcomes here. Now, if this fight goes deeper into the fight, which I believe it is, I think we're going to see a third, fourth, and possibly a fifth round here. I think it favors the diamond here i think that dustin poirier as he's shown in past fights the longer fights go he just gets stronger the dan hooker fight he was down a little bit going into that third fourth and fifth rounds and he just puts on a great performance comes back shows the uh, heart of a champion uh the justin gaethje fights the, the you know the, the eddie alvarez fights those are just great uh examples of when he is pushed he rises to the occasion and he can go out there now the big thing here i've seen so many people say oh if you parlayed conor mcgregor at minus 300 back in january and you're not playing him right now at plus 105 plus 110 you're you're making a mistake i think the thing that we found out in the last fight though 
has a big indicator on why I believe that you know you don't have to bet that number if you don't feel comfortable about it is that Dustin Poirier's uh, uh, durability has gotten so much better being up at 155 pounds compared to when he was at 145 and he ate some clean shots from Conor McGregor early on in that fight and he ate them like nothing he came forward walked through it get, kept his leg kick game going and then eventually opened up his hands once Conor was kind of immobilized and the fact that we know that Dustin Poirier could take a shot now or at least more often than not take a shot from Conor McGregor leads me to believe that uh, Dustin Poirier should go out there and be able to successfully implement his game. I feel like Conor starts to slow down as the fight goes on. There isn't historical real evidence on that other than when he emptied his gas tank trying to knock out Nate Diaz in that first round and gets choked out in the second round. Uh, the Khabib Nurmagomedov fight, but let's, you know, just like whenever anybody fights Valentin Shevchenko, we don't even talk about those fights. Um... I do think that Connor's power will start to slow. I will. I do think it will start to uh, fade, and that's where I think that uh, Dustin Poirier will start to get success. Maybe land a couple takedowns. I do think that Poirier has the better grappling game here. Possibilities for submissions. I've seen that uh, prop thrown around a lot uh, over this past week, but I do like Dustin Poirier in this situation. Am I putting money on it? Probably not. But the things that I will probably look to target is if I can find a market that will let me get money down on the under four and a half, under three and a half. That's probably what I'm going to be looking at. Or even just parling the fight doesn't go to decision on some of these offshore bookies that I got. But I do like Poirier here. I like him late. I will be sprinkling those round three, four, and five props for Poirier, which is in the plus thousand, plus 1200, plus 1400 range. Got to take a little bit of shot there. But Man, th this this is a lot tougher of a fight to call than people are making it out to be. But I'm ultimately going to be on the Poirier side, taking him by uh, by late KO, probably fourth round. Nick, let's throw it on over to you. How do you feel about this master or this monster main event that we got tomorrow night? Man, I love it. Honestly, anytime Conor McGregor fights, as you know, I mean, for all of us, look, I mean, this is going to be a, a mega show. Not, you know, anytime you're talking about Conor McGregor, period, it, any show that we're on just gets elevated to a next <clears> level, right? There's going to be more views, more just more buzz around it in general, right? For the media, for the fighters, for the UFC, for everything. So super pumped. I wish Conor McGregor honestly fought once a month if he could. <laughs> if he'd be on every pay-per-view. That'd be fantastic. Just for, you know, just everything, the look and feel. And, you know, like I said, everybody kind of wins when Conor McGregor fights. But that being said, the breakdown, I think he can make those adjustments. I, I like what you said. I think if it does go in three, round three, four, five, the value might be on Poirier. And I, I totally can see you know, making bets in those rounds because I think it will favor Poirier as the fight goes on. If he's able to survive the first couple rounds, then, you know, things could shift into his favor. But I do think this, though. A lot of people are thinking that if he hits the scorecards, that it's going to be an easy fight for Dustin Poirier. He's going to outpoint him. I think it's going to be very, very competitive. If he goes all five rounds and it hits the scorecards, which I don't think it will. I, th I think there is too much firepower in this spot. I think it could go over one and a half rounds. But then I think after that, it gets a little bit sketchy for sure. I think the fight will probably finish. But that being said, I lean towards Conor McGregor. I think he can honestly make the adjustments that he needs in this spot. He is an elite-level striker, which people – I don't think enough people realize how good he is with his striking, right? He normally controls the distance very well. Yeah. Uh, he's got good accuracy, underrated power, even at 155 pounds. I know he's not getting people out of there as often as he was at 145, but he's still a special elite-level striker. Uh, and the last fight, those leg kicks were an issue. Credit Dustin. I mean, he even said, I think, um, on one of the UFC – preview shows it might even have been embedded that he, that wasn't his game plan his game plan was not to go out there and leg kick conor mcgregor and win it just it was effective he knew that once you know connor started feeling it or whatnot he went back to it and it won him the fight a lot of people think conor mcgregor was tired in that fight he was slowing down i think it was more leg kicks than anything else that got that fight the w for uh, poirier but poirier has been very impressive if you look at who he's beat at lightweight man I mean, that's just the best of the best. So I have a ton of respect for him. I wouldn't be shocked if he gets it done. I just think the price 
is screaming at me right now more than anything else. If you're getting Conor McGregor at plus money, he should be a slight favorite still, in my opinion, coming into this fight. So if you're getting him at plus money, even money, if you can even lay minus 120, I think it's worth a bet on Conor, not on Poirier. So I'm going to go against the grain. Everybody at Circa has been coming in on Poirier like crazy from the beginning, you know, and I knew that it was going to be that way. But I kept us on Conor McGregor a little bit to get that early action on Dustin Poirier because you know the Conor McGregor money's coming. And I'm starting to see it as we're on this show right now. I'm getting reports back and messages. And we are starting to see some Conor McGregor money come back in. So it's pretty cool. I, I was expecting it. I think the line will close back towards a pick to be honest with you. Maybe Poirier closes a slight, slight favorite right now. I think he's like minus 135 at Circa. Um, a little bit lower, higher in other places as well. So it's around that park. I, I think that this fight is going to be – just a heavy bet fight across the board, and it's, it's just going to be an awesome, like I said, spectacle. And I think Connor's going to bounce back, get it done, redeem himself. Mm -hmm. I'm glad that he's coming into this fight on shorter time without taking a, a year off or whatnot. I mean, it's in five, six months, he's getting right back on the horse. I think the activity uptick is good to see from Connor McGregor as well, and I think he's going to probably make those adjustments and get it done. I hope he does at least because we're more than likely going to need Connor McGregor to win this fight. Yanni is absolutely salivating at the mouth to talk about this fight. I can see it in his eyes. Drop it on us, Yanni. How do you feel about this uh, main event? I am because this fight is a perfect like dissertation for sports betting. It sets up so many great examples, um, and so much could be learned from it, regardless of the outcome. That's the key in this fight. Here's what I mean. First, let's talk what's happened. We have. The over money's come in, total opened one and a half because books thought betters remember what they saw last, and it's since been steamed up. So here's some actionable information. The over one and a half was minus 145, now it's minus 200. I think that value's gone. It's been extracted, obviously. It's moved too much. If you still agree with that over, I think you should look to go over maybe even two and a half at plus money because the one weight class where once they get out of the first round, the likelihood that it gets at least to the third is so much greater at lightweight. Like in most weight classes, if they don't finish in the first round, by the time they get to the third, the, the, the probability is cut in half. In lightweight, it's cut over a third. So if they get out of the first, very few times does that fight even get finished. So there's some live betting info for you. As far as this fight goes, this is as simple as it gets. And here's why. Um, very difficult to predict. As hard as it gets to predict this fight. Because, listen, Dustin, look at him. Pressure, pace, his striking, his grappling. We could talk about all that. Connor, the specialist, what he's done, the, the data, his, the analytics, all that. That's all great in trying to predict the outcome which is almost impossible to do. That's not what I'm here for. I'm here to find good bets. Conor McGregor on Saturday night is a great bet, win or lose. And here's the problem. If, I, if I'm betting my opinion, I'm betting Dustin Poirier. So here's, here's, my, here's the issue that I have to live with, that I know with 100% certainty, without a doubt right now, we know that, that Connor's the value side. You can't even make an argument because if you're making an argument for Dustin right now, you already made your money on Dustin because you bet him last time at plus 200. What are you betting him now? Why would you lay minus one, whatever? You you liked him last time. If you, what, what, you're gonna like him now because of what you saw last time? 
That to me makes no sense. That that's what a square's better supposed to do. You're not supposed to have a knee jerk reaction. That's what books want you to do. So for me, I got to look at the betting line, forget everything else. The X's and O's to me, let James break that down. And Nick, they know him much better than me. For me, it's as simple as this. They fought the first time. Connor opens minus 260. We all bet him up to almost, my, I mean, my opens minus 165. We all bet him up to almost minus 275. He goes in, he wins, does what he's supposed to. The second time, just five months ago, he opens minus 175. All of us, the betting market, bet him up to minus 300. We all agreed that night that he should win that fight three out of four times. Every one of us agreed. It closed minus 300. Again, some people bet Dustin. God bless you. You made a good bet. You cashed a good ticket. So what I'm saying is the market already determined that. And we already know historically, there's no even argument. That argument's been settled. The, the most accurate reflection of true win probability is the closing line because the most info is factored into it. That's why books will take the most money, the latest, because all the info is factored into it. Why will sportsbook take a hundred thousand bet on the NFL on Sunday afternoon, but not five days prior? Because on Sunday afternoon, they know who's hurt. They know what the weather is. Th that uncertainty is no longer there. So all that is factored into the price. So now if you think because it's raining, you're going to use that info to beat them, they're laughing at you. They already factored that rain into the price. That's why they're willing to let you bet more on Sunday than five days ago when they didn't know it was going to rain. So what I'm telling you is we already concluded that Connor's a minus 300 just five months ago. And that means he should win 75% of the time. Dustin is a minus 130, 140 favorite. So now we, the market, are saying Connor can't even win this half the time? When five months ago, we were convinced he could win 75%, and now he can't even do it 50%? Like what? Did he lose an arm? Did he lose a leg? Like oh, he has less than a, a, a half of a, a chance than last time? That to me, just you can't argue that. Like unless the guy just... I, I like, I don't even know how you could even make that argument that there's value on Dustin at minus 140, 130, when just five months ago, you could have got him at plus 200 a couple years ago. If you didn't, then you missed the boat. Let it go. Find another bet that has value. There's nothing wrong. You don't have to place there. You don't have to bet every fight. Bet the ones that give you value. Like I said, I don't try to make sense out of every fight. I, I bet fights that make sense. To me, this makes sense. I'll look like a fool. Because Dustin's probably going to go in there and beat him. Because that's what my bias says. In fact, I even wrote a note to self. Follow the charts. Because I have my own biases I have to have to fight every single day. I think Dustin should beat him. Connor's a billionaire. Why should he give a shit about training as hard as Dustin's been? At 155, Dustin looks so much more durable. All that stuff you said's right. But the price isn't. Because five months ago, I could have got this guy at two to one. I should have made my money on him. That train's left the station, brother. You can't you can't bring it back. So let it go. You bet the underdog because you know you're getting a better price today than five months ago, or you enjoy the fight like a fan. So for me as a better, it's pretty easy to predict it. It's almost impossible. I'll let that up to these guys. They're better at it than me. But for me, like I said, from a better perspective, it don't get easier than betting these kind of fights.
So you're on Connor is pretty much what you're trying to say. Yeah, Connor or pass, remember, right? Connor or pass. Yeah, yeah. I, I completely understand their approach here. James, I'm going to tee this up to you with two questions here. One, who are you picking in that first fight? And has that changed now what you've seen back in January? And uh, and two, in terms of that calf-kicking style that uh, Dustin brought into that first fight, I saw a couple clips out there where he's like, I just threw it out there to throw it out, throw it out there, and yeah. I thought it was effective, and I took advantage of it. How can Connor? actually make a, an adjustment to be prepared for that if Dustin decides to do that again. Uh, stylistically speaking, how do you prepare for something like that? I think he's just got to go back to his old stance and kick a little bit more. He's go back to that bladed, uh, that karate stance almost. You know, I think that's where he had a lot of success early, and I think he, uh, he used the kicks to establish range, and then that would run people into his big power. Whereas I think – I personally think he's been trying to do the big boxing matches with Mayweather and Pacquiao yeah. where he's a lot more lead leg heavy in the fight with – the second fight with Dustin. And I think that's what, that's what happens. He's been working his boxing a lot and you can't have that, that karate style in, in boxing. It just doesn't work. So, uh, my yeah. And is, who'd you have in the first fight and has it changed in, in the first fight, man? Oh, sorry. Second fight, second fight. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And the, in the, in the second fight, I, I want to say I, I picked Dustin, but I, I, I don't remember, man. Cause I, I'm the same way on that one. I'm on this one too. And, uh, Everything from, from for people listening at home, everything that Yanni just said is spot on. I don't I don't pick fights off that. I pick fights off who I think is gonna win. Exactly. And Nothing wrong with that. And you've had success with it. You shouldn't change it. That's why like if guys no. are winning, if they found an edge and that edge is enough to overcome the hole, God keep doing it. Don't do it yeah. the way I'm doing it. I found my edge and that's why, but like, I, that's why I, re, I said, James will save me money. He'll get me off the fight because he already proved to me that he is able to see something and quantify it. So keep doing what you're doing, bro. Don't change a thing. Yeah. And well, the, and just how, how you said that, this is also why I text you every weekend and say, Hey, what do you, who do you have? You know what I mean? Because I want to know like on the analytical side, I'm not smart enough to look at the numbers like you are. I just know fighting. You guys know betting, you know? So you're right. Connor is the bet to make. Take that, move it to the side. I agree with that 100%. In my opinion, it's Dustin's fight He's not fight winning the win. fight, right? I don't think so. It's Dustin's fight to win, but I did not put my full amount on I put half of what I typically would on it. And uh, and I think Dustin's going to win. And, and to me, this is a coin flip fight. I don't know I don't know who's the better fighter here. So what I do is I look at the, I look at the over-under. For me... Connor has to Connor has to to win this fight inside of one one and a half maybe two rounds in, in my opinion if it goes past that I think it's Dustin's fight I know Nick said that if he goes to the decision it's a close fight I, I on our other show I completely disagree with him I see the I see the point there I don't think this fight goes to, to the cards any which way but loose uh, Dustin lives in three four and five and if it hits three four and five I see Dustin finishing him uh, all that being said, if if I, if Connor has five minutes to get him out of there, and this fight's twenty five minutes, I gotta kind of lean towards Dustin if the fight Makes goes sense. to the cards, you know, because there's twenty minutes of fight that I think Dustin's gonna win compared to five minutes of fight where I think Connor can win. So I, I think Connor's got to get him out of there. I'm saying one one and a half conservatively. Two I think might even be a little stretch. So even if at two rounds, I feel like Dustin's got to I gotta lean a little bit at Dustin because Dustin's got more time to win. And he's gonna pour it on. He's done that historically. He did it against Alvarez. He did it against Gaethje. Did it against uh, Hooker. And and those fight, those are fights where he's seen some trouble early, and then later transferred over. Now let's talk about Connor. Connor at 155. He doesn't have the comatose power that he did at 45. He just doesn't. And he's got power. 
You don't. But he's hurting people. He's not he's not sending them into the shadow realm. You know what I mean? Like, like he wasn't 40. He's flooring people at 45. These guys at 55, they're big dudes, man. They're not they're not small. They can take a good shot. And the only time Poirier has been knocked out at lightweight was his very first fight at lightweight against Michael Johnson. I don't think he had the time to transfer. You know, it takes it's a process to to move weight classes and like not just move weight classes. Like it's not about weight. It's about your body. Uh, easing into that weight if that makes sense you know what i mean like just because you change weight classes doesn't mean your body changes like it takes time to progress into that weight class and i don't think for had time to that but since then he took connor's best punch and i mean he took connor's yeah uh, he took some clean punches from connor and that last um uh, and that last fight you can't tell me that he he and he didn't get wobbled he took him clean and kept stepping forward and then the low kick started adding up not before not before connor was putting punches on him before that so for me, that tells me if Dustin can take his best shot and in round one, clean punches, clean counter punches that Connor normally normally gets people out of there with. If he could take that shot, that tells me it's going to go late into the fight. If it goes late into the fight, I got to go Dustin Poirier here. I love it. I love it. Seems like for the most part, everybody's on Dustin here. Uh, all right, that that's pretty much a wrap on the show. One last segment that I'd like to do at the end here is pretty much give everybody's lock of the night play or their most confident play on the card. And I'll throw it around the horn right now, starting off with Nick. Uh, which play do you feel most confident about for tomorrow's UFC 264 card? I touched on it a little bit earlier. I'm going to stick with Kunitskaya over Aldana. I just think that, again, stylistically, she matches up pretty well. James is going to be against me here. I know that, which sucks. I always want, you know, I hate going against anybody uh, that I respect. But at the same time, I just got to stick to my guns. And I think Kunitskaya can get this fight done. I think she can win by decision um, on the scorecards. And at dog price, you got to go with it. Yanni, who do you got here, brother? What's your, what's your most confident spot? I wouldn't say the most confident only because of the randomness involved at heavyweight, but I can't overlook the Hardy at an underdog price, man. I mean, Tuivasa, again, we said the X's and O's and all the other reasoning, but just even as a favorite, he just doesn't come through. He's, the, the two or three fights that he lost, he was the favorite. You know, he's a guy that just, again, I, to get that far, obviously you've made some commitments, but he doesn't seem to be shy about telling you he isn't all that committed. He's going in there to knock someone's head off. Like there isn't all that much game planning to it. And Hardy, at least I know I'm backing the guy who's the better athlete, who is going to give me that size advantage, you know, who I know is at least dedicated to his job, you know, and game planning the sport that can't be confront. So, I mean, there's a lot to at least, getting plus money how could i pass that up as a, as a best bet let's go greg hardy and again over three to one i saw at one spot for inside the distance only because you know i get tuivasa does have that chin but i think that was a little bit too high only because three or four times judges don't get involved and in Hardy's seven wins i think only one of them did he not get a finish so I would maybe, if you agree with me at the hardy side maybe sprinkle a little of that plus 300 money line inside the distance but Again, you know, I know there's a lot to Ivasa love out there. He's, you know, he's one of those fun guys you cheer for. So I get it. James, are you sticking with Aldana even after that weight botch, or uh, does anything else uh, catch your eye? No, I'm gonna stick. I'm gonna stick with it. Uh, I'm gonna stick with it. I just think stylistically, she's a tough match for Kaya. I think she's gonna use her volume, uh, range, footwork to stay away from the clinch. I I'm sure there'll be some moments where Kaya puts her on the uh, on the fence. Uh, Aldana is gonna. I think she's fixed those issues. I I don't think she's gonna fade. She's never she's never gotten tired in a fight before. Like she's not known for fading. 
uh, takedown problems for sure. The only one you can relate that to is uh, Holly Holm. Yana is not Holly Holm in any way, shape, or form. Uh, I think Aldana is going to put a punch on her. And I, I see her, I see her winning, uh, you know, pretty convincingly. I'm going to stick with uh, Aldana. Even though my money's on Kunitskaya this week, and I'm going to be thinking about both of you guys, like, fuck, I, I hope I get the better of this one. But in terms of my most favorite player or my locker that I play, I'm going to be going with one boy Thompson. I think he scores uh, Gilbert Burns this week. And as long as he can deal with the potential takedown opportunities Ooh. of Burns, I love one boy Thompson in this spot. I think he's going to put on a clinic and possibly get that third round KO. You know I'm going to be sprinkling that third round plus 1,000 spot because I do have a good amount of confidence as well as that plus 300 KO. All right, I'll swing around the horn one more time in case any of you guys want to have uh, have anything to plug or anything to say on the back end here and then i'll wrap up the show nick let's start off with you brother uh, check me out at twitter at fight odds and then of course if you're in las vegas if you're in colorado and soon to be iowa check out circusports.com download the circus sports app anywhere anytime to check out our ufc odds perfect yanni what do you got to to share with the audience no, thanks for having me on, man. You know, I, I learned something every time I listen to either of these guys, yourself included. And hopefully you guys saved me some money and made me some money tonight. And like I always say, whether you follow or fade, I just hope you make some money. I'm not your bookmaker. You ain't taking it out of my pocket. I like seeing betters win, man, whether they follow or fade me. So thanks for having me on. And best of luck to all this weekend. Absolutely. James, anything you want to drop on the back end here, brother? Nah, man. Thank you for having me on. Always a blast. Uh, I learned something too, man. Like, it's cool listening to these because it's it's such a different, it's a melting pot of perspectives on this. So anytime I can't imagine somebody at home watching this and just not having, you know, at least a clear cut answer, whether they're they're my view, Nick's view, your view, Yanni's view. I, I can't imagine somebody watching this and not feeling really good about what they're about to do next. You know what I mean? Like there's so much information coming from uh, multiple angles here. Man, this this has been it's I've learned stuff even watching the last two hours. I can't imagine somebody else not not learning uh you know something from this. If the chat is any indication, everybody loved this episode. It was an absolute honor to have all of you guys on. Having the coaching perspective, fighter perspective, the the bookmakers perspective, the the analytics perspective, everybody loved it. So I'm hoping that we can get this cast together for one of these big pay per views uh, down the road for sure. Uh, appreciate all three of you guys carving out time on this Friday evening uh, before the biggest card of the year. So I really appreciate that first and foremost. And then shout out to the almost 600 people that we got watching live here, as well as the thousands that are going to be watching on the back end here. Uh, I will be doing. A fight day live chat 1 p.m eastern tomorrow if you guys want to throw out any questions that show is just for the fans if you guys have any questions comments or suggestions hit me up and i'll be happy to answer it for you guys there and that's about it good luck on your bets this weekend fellas and let's make some moolah good luck